May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Good evening and welcome to Pillow Talk. Tonight, we've got uh, four candidates in the studio live with me, and we're going to be uh, talking to candidates from different parties and different electorates. Uh, and the focus of all of us in the studio tonight is freedom. It's that we need a good outcome from this election. And uh, like never before, Australians are starting to realise that we can't trust uh, old-fashioned partisanship to keep delivering us the kind of results that we used to be able to rely on the major parties for. Uh, the parties over decades have strayed far from the foundation and the intentions of their foundation. Uh, and we can bring them back to it with some participation, but that is definitely a long-term strategy. In the meantime, what we need to be doing is not being partisan, but actually voting for the best person for the job and making sure especially that our Senate is the House of Review, holding uh, the government of the day to account, uh, making sure that it's not just rubber stamping the government or blindly opposing the government, causing mayhem and havoc, but we need sensible people in the Senate. Well, tonight we've got four lower house candidates uh, and I'm going to uh, introduce them now and um, uh, we'll, we'll actually get them to introduce themselves and, and just give us their name, the party they're from, the electorate they're from, and uh, what it is about the past few years that has inspired them to stand for election in this, uh, in this election in 2022. So why don't we start with you, Toby? Fantastic. So, yeah, I'm Toby Sutherland. I'm uh, running for the seat of Ford with the Liberal Democrat Party. Um, over the last uh, couple of years, uh, I'm a school teacher. I still am a school teacher now, uh, currently. I was working today before coming into the studio. And um, over the last couple of years, um, I've just seen the absolute annihilation of the kids' confidence in the school system just by the lockdowns, the mass mandates. Um, personally, I've seen um, the damage that's been done, especially with the mass mandates uh, in our younger year levels mm -hmm. and then the confidence as well in our older year levels. I've said it before, I feel like I've turned into a motivational speaker when it comes to um, our high school students, trying to get them back into that groove again. They've lost their routine. They've, they've, they need that routine um, and that stability and it's been gone. So um, that's a couple of things just from my own uh, perspective. Um, but also that freedom that was just completely taken away from us, our freedom of choice um, with the, uh, the vaccines and all teachers having to get vaccinated. Otherwise, you just flat out lose your job. That was taken away from us. No choice given out at all. And um, it was that or um, send you packing. And that was uh, completely devastating for myself. Um, the amount of families hurt by that. And, uh, yeah, it was time to, to stand up and do something. Um, but this, for me, has been a lot longer coming than just the last two years. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much where it would be. 
thank you for joining us tonight and thanks for teaching the kids uh, probably some sensible things uh, and not some woke things. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's where it's been a, li a little bit longer coming for me, um, especially being a school teacher. The infiltration of the woke ideologies that are just being rammed down the kids' throat now in our school curriculum, yeah. um, it is an absolute disgrace. And in some instances, I would even go as far as to say it's, it's flat-out grooming um, our younger generation. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not scared to say that at all. I'll go on record saying that and uh, I'll stand up and I'll fight for our kids and uh, their protection. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Amanda, welcome yes. to Pillow Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dame. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so my name's Amanda Neal and I am the One Nation candidate for the seat of Bonner. So, oh, Again, it's been, a, it's been a journey that's brought me here. Um, I work for a Christian organisation called Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I've been the operations manager there for the last 15 years. And one of the things that we do and every single day in that organisation is we pray before we start work. And so over the years, you know, as elections have come and gone and, and different things happening within our nation, we as an organisation would always pray about it. And, you know, I would often, you know, be praying about, Lord, raise up believers, <laughs> raise up, you know, a voice of righteousness in government to speak truth and to spring back these, these morals that mm. we've seen um, just taken away from our society. And so I've always been a fervent prayer for those sorts of things. And, and lo and behold, um, <laughs> in that prayer, praying for people to be um, to rise up to take that role, well, here I am. <laughs> God has a sense of humour. <laughs> it's like, okay, Amanda, yeah, I want you to have a go. I want you to do this. Wow. So um, here I am to do that. And this is the first time I've ever run. Um, I've, you know, as I said, I've been an operations manager for the past 15 years for a um, television organisation, um, Christian organisation. And yeah. one of the other things that um, oh, really stirred me to cross over the line and, and no longer sit on the fence was we um, have this program called um, Flashpoint and on the Victory Channel. Yep. And um, we had a speaker who had this message and it was called Run to the Roar. And, oh, my goodness, um, it just stirred so many things in me. And it was about to make change in our society and to make a, a, an effect and to see things turn around, we have to start in our local communities and start at the grassroots. And so the the, the call of this run to the rule was to, to mum and dads, to church leaders, to people all over societies, no longer to just sit back and, you know, um, watch what's going on, but to get involved, whether that was mums and dads getting involved in the PNC and having a voice there, or whether it was, you know, being involved in your local scout group or all different sorts of the community, be involved. Mm. And the, from from that, that, that message, it was this stirring come within me and said, Amanda, you need to put up your hand. You need to take out, step, take that step of faith and act on that conviction and I'll guide you through it. Mm. So um, that's what brought me here. Um, and, again, it was more than just the past two years as mm. I've seen the fabric change and the morals of society and, and the woke culture and um I don't want to be on the wrong side of history when it, with these things and I don't want to um, 
you know, have my children or my grandchildren down the years later on, you know, look at me and say, well, if you knew these, why didn't you do something about it? And that was the conviction that said, okay, let's, let's, let's join the fight. Let's yep. get out there and do something about it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Um, let's now go to Tony. Tony, you're not a first-time candidate. I'm not, no. Uh, in fact, <laughs> you and I met way before I started all this in my life, my political partisan life in Family First. That's right, yeah. Um, you were a candidate on the Sunshine Coast uh, yep, so in, was, in those days? Yep, I was on the executive and also um, the candidate in Fisher, the seat I'm running in right now, right. 2013. For yeah. Family First. So yeah. um, go ahead and introduce yourself now and say which party, which seat you're with. You said, yeah, you said sure. Fisher. So I'm Tony Moore. And um, I'm in the seat of Fisher for the United Australia Party. Um, look, my story is probably fairly long as you've kind of, you know, directed it. Mm -hmm. um, but it goes way back to when I was a cabinet maker and I was just building cupboards and, and things like that in my workshop. And I would actually hear and listen to the news and I'd hear things and stories of children being harmed and the elderly and it was increasing. And I'd sit there and I'd actually be praying while I'm working and going, you know, God, who's going who's gonna to set these kids? And send someone, get someone out there and, and fix this. This is mm. not right, this injustice. Mm. And I just started hearing this voice back, I want you, you know. And as I'm saying, who will save the children next minute, I'm saying I will. And literally that very day, I went into um, my office and I rang up university because I thought that's where you go to to enroll. And I said, I've looked up child safety. I need to have psychology. So I'm going to enroll in psychology and become a child safety. And they have to go to QCAT. So I went to QCAT and sorted all that out. But that day I actually enrolled in psychology and um, compressed my degree into two and a half years Wow! and um, still worked full time and had four children and my lovely wife. Wow. But um, when I finished that, I went straight into child protection. And that kind of began the journey for me um, down the line of politics. It wasn't initially I was there. I thought frontline is where it's at. So if I can save one child, then I've done something. If I can save two, I've done something. And I wanted to be a direct interface. Um, but very quickly, I realized that um, the system was working in some ways against the children. So I stepped into doing some law and legal studies and, and then I went and did an MBA and um, then I left child protection and decided to run in an election. And then I, and I was the first one in Fisher. And then I stepped into, I did another master's in politics and public policy. And then wow. I ran in several more elections and ran in Senate a few times as an independent. And I went independent for a very simple reason is because when I surveyed the land, I realized that um, politics had been hijacked, been hijacked by red and blue. And they had expertized it so that the people no longer understood it, nor did they even care about it. Mm. And because they didn't understand or care, they relied on lobby groups and they relied on other experts to come in and speak into that space on their behalf, but they weren't acting on their behalf. Yeah. So in when it came up to... I guess the last election, which was the last Senate run, I kind of sat back and took stock and thought, okay, I've been in six or whatever elections. I haven't been elected. I really have to, you know, categorize myself and go, well, maybe what I'm trying to offer is not actually what the people are wanting. So I put a pause on it. I didn't retire, but I put a pause on it. Um, COVID hit. And as I'm looking around and listening, there was so much noise. I felt I had nothing else to add. There was people talking left and right and this and that and the, the media shouting down our throats. So I literally had just iced all the politics and didn't think about it much more. 
um, and started helping people. Who During COVID, you relaxed on politics. I relaxed. Wow. I relaxed. I literally turned the TV off. I focused on my Well, that's community. a survival strategy. <laughs> yes, it was. I pulled out one of my other loves, which is drums, and started playing drums and shooting films and, and talking to people. And uh, my phone would start ringing with people who were disaffected um, in the school system, teachers and nurses. And they were saying, we've come up against these walls. And I would start helping them one by one break through some of those walls and getting yep. nurses who back into the workplace through the mechanisms that were there to protect us. But very quickly, we, we realized that they were no longer able to protect us because they're long measures. Um, and so then I sort of, um, as that progressed, I probably did about 65 people, like helped um, 65 people during that time. And it was late last year when um, politics started sort of, I, I guess, bubbling again. And I started actually hearing what I'd heard working with the people coming through a party. And as you know, and you know me quite well, I've been very anti all parties. I'm, I'm like, independence from everything is the only way to save this country. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized that I started hearing this voice of the people coming through policy, where here's a need and here's a policy to match that. And here's another need, and here's another policy to match that. And all of a sudden, I went, that's something I want to be part of. Mm. And I felt that I could have a better contribution by partnering with a, a political party and the other members uh, or the other um, people in that party to actually bring about solid change mm. and no longer be an option, but be the actual alternative. That's kind of it. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Andy. Dave. Uh, what, I, I love your story and we've again got a lot in common, but uh, probably newest friends of, of all the candidates here tonight. Um, and in fact, this is the first time we've spoken face to face. It is. It is. Um, it's wonderful I, to be here, mate. Yeah. Well, welcome to Pillow Talk. Tell us uh, your name, your party, your electorate, and then a little bit about yourself and why you're standing. Sure. So my name's Andy Cullen. I'm uh, running for the seat of McPherson on the Gold Coast uh, and representing the Australian Values Party. Uh, I don't have a background in politics. Um, I do have a background in leadership, though. Um, and this whole journey really started with a question from a, a good friend of mine, someone I've worked with in the veteran community over the last few years. Um, and he asked me to consider running in his party, and that's Heston Russell, yep. who's the, um, the leader of the Australian Values Party. There's a really great interview with yeah. Heston on uh, Pillow Talk from two nights ago. That's right. Yeah. So make um, sure you watch that. So mm -hmm. right now I, I run a charity with my wife and a, and a bunch of volunteers. We look after veterans, first responders, and others suffering from uh, trauma. And we deliver faith, Christian faith-based uh, healing programs to address um, PTSD, depression, moral injury from a, a root cause perspective, a really successful program. And uh, Is it very successful for, for people who aren't Christians? Do you have a high percentage of people participating who aren't Christian? Probably about 80% of the people that, that complete our program are, are not Christian or don't identify as a, as a Christian believer. So it's open to everyone, and that's the wonderful thing about it. So right, yeah. The, uh, fundamentally, the healing model comes from the Bible, and that's why it works. Yes. And uh, and that's open to everyone. Yeah. Um, I kind of look at it from my own perspective. I'm not very religious. I'm spiritual. I think religion is for people that don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people who have already been there. And that was certainly <laughs> my experience in uh, finding Christ. But yep. um, so coming back to politics and why I'm running, uh, like many of you guys here, the last couple of years has been really challenging. I've been confronted uh, personally uh, by 
what I've seen is a loss of the moral fibre of this country, mm. uh, the destruction of who we are as a people. We've lost our identity and we've also lost our faith and trust in the governance mm. of this country. And that that's really the crux of it. You know, the introduction of mandates, um, you know, the inability to travel across state borders, visit family and all the uh, their lives and businesses impacted over the last few years. And uh, I was really frustrated. I've always followed politics closely, um, but my background, as I said, is in defence. So I served 17 years in the Australian Army, uh, retired as a major, did multiple deployments to Afghanistan. Um, most of my work was focused in bomb disposal or explosive ordnance disposal. So I've led some of the bravest people this country has yeah. in some of the most difficult circumstances um, that you could imagine. And I've brought them home. I know what servant leadership is. Mm. So when Heston asked me uh, to consider running, uh, I said, no, mate, I'm not a politician. You've got the wrong guy. Yep. And he said, <laughs> I don't want politicians or want leaders. We have a leadership crisis in this country. Yep. And to be honest, I think most of the population would agree we've had enough of politicians. Absolutely. No offence to any politicians, but yeah. I think we need real people from the community back in Canberra uh, representing the people because unfortunately what I'm seeing and I think a lot of disenfranchised voters are seeing is two parties that are not representing the people, that are no longer representing the interests of the nation. They're actually looking after party politics, big business, foreign interests and lobby groups. Yep. And what's resulted <clears throat> is a total loss of faith and trust in those parties. Mm. And it comes back to uh, identity, you know, who are we and where are we going? What is our purpose? Yeah. And the identity, I think, of the major parties has been fractured. You know, whether you look at the LNP and who they used to be as this, you know, um, conservative organisation of politicians now infiltrated <laughs> to the point of, I don't know what they are. I don't think they know what they are anymore. Right. Yeah. And Labor, who have essentially become the Greens, vote for the Labour, vote for the Greens. So... We've got two parties that have lost their identity, aren't sure on what direction they're going and have actually got Australia into a position of great turmoil mm. where the people have had enough. And um, the Australian Values Party for me offers an opportunity that has great uh, foresight for direction for the future. It offers a real centralist approach to politics. It's bringing the left and the right back into the middle. And I believe we have a, a great identity that is... Um, that is standing firm on the values of what it is to be an Australian. Mm. And if we know who we are and what direction we're going, then we're going to have success in, in moving forward. So the Australian Values Party to me, I looked at it, I actively looked for reasons not to join it. Okay. Um, my, my position was I run a charity, I've got four children, I'm a very busy guy, I've got enough going on. Yep. Um, this is not an area that I want to get into politics. Yep. I had an interesting conversation with my wife and she said, well, if you want to keep complaining about it, maybe you should do something about it. And I lived my entire military career by the motto, don't ask someone else to do something you're not prepared to do yourself. So um, after a lot of wrestling... I hear a lot of people complaining about the quality yeah. of candidates and, and politicians in general. And one of my thoughts is... Um, if somebody you knew was a politician or if you were a politician, would that be still universally true? Mm. And, and the answer is no, it wouldn't be because you'd be different. 
Yeah. Um, you might be changed in the process, but I think, yeah, there, there has to be this degree of preparedness to do it yourself in order to come out swinging as, as if they're all a bunch of corrupt Philistines who can't be wow. redeemed. <laughs> um, I've never been afraid of much in life and uh, something in my faith journey that God has taken me through uh, quite thoroughly is fear nothing except for him. And so this journey, I got to a point of wrestling with God and it came down to this. If you believe, then you're, you will obey. So obedient and, obedience and faith uh, are intrinsically connected. Mm -hmm. And so I surrendered to that. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision. Like I'm sure it wasn't right. for many of you. Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that, once I got preach. to that point. <laughs> that'll mm -hmm. preach, Andy. Obedience and faith are yeah. connected. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So here we go on the journey, and uh, look, it's an it's actually been a fun journey so far. My first um, sort of campaign, but I my faith in humanity is being restored. I'm meeting some amazing people, some amazing candidates, some people that are rising up from the community that are feeling um, called into this space because Australia needs good people to rise up yeah. and represent them. And that is what we're talking about here, that servant leadership of representing the best wishes of the people. That's and right. at the crux of it, that's what a government's there for, mm -hmm. to help better people and their lives and the, the, um, mm -hmm. their way of life in the, in the Australian community. So if we're not doing that, then we need to get back to doing that. And mm -hmm. certainly over the last couple of years, it's been highlighted that the government has not been doing that, in my view. And I believe we need to um, send a really clear message to Canberra that we're coming. Uh, we're going to put real people back into the halls of Canberra yep. and we're going to make Absolutely. them accountable and we're going to get the balance of power and we're going to hold them to account for the people. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank so. you. Thank you for standing and thank you for your service to the nation. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Um, it's much My pleasure. Greatly appreciated. Well, we've got four excellent um, conservative Christians here and... Uh, the the thing that I want um, you at home, the the watcher, to do is basically come into this uh, and have an open mind. Uh, I think most viewers of this show would be agreed that we, we probably are going to be putting freedom parties above the major parties on our ballot, generally speaking, and. Uh, the rabid extreme lefties far down the bottom at, and at the very bottom. Um, but I think what's important to understand is that the different parties have different quality and different caliber candidates in every electorate. And so in the seat of Ford, uh, where I live, um, I've actually chosen Toby as the best candidate in the large field of candidates who are running in my electorate. And that's after I've spoken to the One Nation person and after I've spoken to the United Australia person and after I've spoken to the Independent and after 12 years of suffering the following from the front of the incumbent LNP member. Um, that's something I want to end and, and get rid of. And so all the freedom parties need to be higher than the majors in Ford. Uh, but in the seat of Bonner, uh, we have another LNP member, missing in action, silent, unheard of when defending freedom. Uh, and I know the One Nation candidate in Bonner is probably the person that I would be voting for if I lived in that electorate. And so 
it's not actually a partisan vote that I'm trying to do or even a freedom vote, but genuinely who's the best person for the job. Uh, so that's something I want to demonstrate tonight. We've got people from different parties um, with very similar values, uh, and that's the thing you need to be doing. And if you're silent about this, then the candidates you're punishing may not know why they've lost the election. Uh, it's actually, you don't need to be obnoxious. You're not going to change their minds. Don't lecture them. But if you just go to them and ask, you know, did you fight against mandates? Did you fight against lockdowns? Uh, and, and ask about the other values that you're looking for, then they will actually hear that's what the electorate wants. And for every person that approaches them, they're going to be smart enough to figure out there's probably 10 to 20 more who think like that. Uh, so the actual process of engaging with candidates is very important, mm -hmm. as well as just having an open mind uh, and being an undecided voter. So uh, the next question I want to, I, I guess, ask you all is... Uh, what exactly, oh, look, I, I do need to go ahead and, and remind everybody watching, please share the episode. Please share this broadcast. Invite your friends to watch it around Australia. Um, you're probably going to be having a candidate uh, from one or all of these parties to vote for, either in the Senate or the lower house or both. Uh, and it, it's really important that people get a feel for the parties and and the issues that we're going to be talking uh, about tonight. They're not all standing in, the, they're all standing in different electorates, so they're not competing with each other. We're going to be talking about the ideas uh, and, the issue, and the issues. So please share it, whatever channel you're on, share it to your friends on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever you are. And uh, let's get the conversation happening. You know what, I'm actually going to go through a couple of these comments first, and, um, and then we'll, uh, then I've got another question for the candidates. Um, Adam Kennedy says, uh, We'll be voting for Amanda Neal for Bonner and supporting her campaign. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> now you've got at least two votes. There's a plural there. I don't know if we is two or more, but um, uh, Michael Hollow says, yes, but will the AEC be truthful in the vote count to the votes that are not Labor, Greens and Liberal? Michael, I think um, they will be. I've got a great degree of confidence in them. Uh, and the important part of that question is, will you take responsibility for the AEC being truthful? Um, guys, what I want everybody to do across Australia is volunteer to scrutineer. Yeah. Yeah. Not just Saturday night, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday as well when the real count happens. Uh, very important. I can guarantee you there will be a, a, a very strong presence of lefties making sure that every vote for a conservative or a freedom uh, candidate, which possibly looks um, like it could be ruled invalid, they're going to be criticising it, attacking it and asking the AEC to make it invalid. Mm -hmm. um, and anything that looks shady from theirs, they'll be silent on. Anything, anytime another scrutiny questions theirs, they're going to be defending it and explaining why it's perfectly clear it's a vote for the Labor or a vote for the Greens or a vote for the Teal. Um, they're very present in their uh, in their scrutineering, volunteering. So we need to be. They're in playing by the rules. That's not cheating. It is rigging the system, but it's not cheating. So we need to be there to balance that. Uh, and you know what? Get together as a as a uh, you know with other freedom voters and share the load. Make sure there's scrutineers in every single electorate, um, and that we're really keeping the AEC and the other scrutiny is honest. And we can't do that if we don't even turn up. So please turn up for scrutineering. Very, 
very important. We've worked so hard to get the votes. We need to make sure we keep the votes and that the bad guys don't get any they don't deserve. Um, so what else do we have here in comments? When Moralina says, good candidates, these lot. Yeah, I agree, When, um, And that's the purpose. Uh, I want to promote the uh, pursuit of authentic Christians, not just lip service Christians, uh, authentic conservatives. Uh, and that's what we um, are looking for in all of these electorates, people who understand that politicians are not the highest authority in the nation, but God is, and that like our constitution says, we humbly rely on his blessing for the prosperity and unity and future of our nation. Um, and they can come from different parties. So uh, that's, the, that's the purpose here. Justin Guian uh, says, I'd vote for Andy if I was in his electorate. <laughs> Thanks, uh, man. Uh, so that's... Um, it's not too late to move. <laughs> yes, Mc it is. If you're in McPherson, Andy's your guy. Um, so great. Let's uh, go to the next question I've got for you all. We've got more comments there. Please keep commenting. Uh, the perlers and, and um, challenging ones we will uh, try and, um, and put to the candidates as well. Um, all right, next question. A little bit of a competitive issue out of all the freedom parties when you considered who you were going to vote for. Amanda, I'm actually going to start with you yeah. this time. But out of all the freedom parties, what attracted you to one nation that stood out from the others? Yeah, um, I've actually um, followed and supported One Nation for, for a while before I actually um, put my hand up to run for, the, um, for One Nation. One Nation aligned mostly when I looked at, you know, policies and stands on different areas that are important to me as a Christian and as a believer, um, One Nation aligned mostly with those things, Great. particularly, um, you know, their stance around pro-choice and pro-life and freedom. Um, and, and they had a, um, they, they just multiple policies, not just one or two, but, but multiple policies. And I'm like, yes, I can align my faith with those things. Um, and the other thing is um, I admire Pauline Hanson. Mm. I admire her courage. I admire her leadership. I admire her strength. Um, adversity. I mean, you know, if, if there's someone who's been persecuted and given a hard time in politics, it's Pauline Hanson. Yeah. And she just keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And she has been a true fighter for many decades for the Australian people and stands up for Australian values. Mm. And they're things that um, are important to me, are important to my family. Um, and traditionally, you know, like how, you know, we all talk about traditionally, you know, our parents voted this way and our grandparents, you know, voted a certain way and generations will follow that path. Well, for many years, my family supported the LNP. Um, you know, very conservative voters. My um, family are um, dairy farmers. And so they were, you know, they were country folk. And I, for a certain, you know, season followed that same path and followed theirs. But then when this started to happen, um, you know, with the, the mandates and the, um, the, the, the blurred lines between Labor and Liberal, and they just really are the same and same up now. <laughs> you know, they're pretty much the same. Mm. Um, I saw that One Nation was a step away from that and um, a, a conservative option. 
Brilliant. Yeah. Toby, why Liberal Democrats? Why not One Nation or United Australia Party or Australian Values Party? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had a look um, at a lot of the other parties as well. Um, but one thing that stood out um, that really drew me in with the Liberal Democrat Party, obviously aligned with a lot of Christian values and of my own beliefs as well, um, but they actually had it in a platform that everybody could follow through and read. They've got a 10-point manifesto. I brought, I brought one in here. This is a, an abbreviated one um, that I have in front of me, but the 10-point manifesto, these guys... Um, have been around for 23 years and not just a freedom party over the last few years um, coming into this election because of what's been happening. Um, but these guys have founded themselves on these freedoms and values um, and Australian morals that we've seen to have lost over 23 years ago. And going through them, like freedom of surveillance and Freedom from obviously COVID freedom alarmism. Freedom of surveillance or freedom from surveillance? <laughs> freedom from being surveilled. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Um, it's been a big day because I'm, I'm still teaching uh, and still working full time. So, but we won't go for any excuses. I'll help you but, out. I'll help you out. Um, yeah, they were, they were very, very good and they were founded on them as well. I also believe in lower taxes and, and just getting our government's hand out of our medical decisions, getting our the government's hand out of our superannuation and, and the freedom of those things, and just getting their sticky hands out of our back pocket. Mm. Um, we're just, just sick of that sort of stuff. Um, and going through the Freedom Manifesto, I just realised that these guys are actually someone that I should have been supporting all the way along because the Liberal Party that I, I'd always backed and followed, um, that aligned with my parents and, and their parents and my Christian beliefs and, and helping out a lot of Christian politicians that were down on, on the coast and uh, when I was growing up um, in Stuart Roberts and, and those type of guys, just moving away, the whole party just moving away from their values and their fundamental beliefs um, and just squabbling over that middle ground. And Labor has done the same. Absolutely. Mm. They've, they've moved away and now they're squabbling over this middle ground. And totally. I, it's, it's 100% the time that um, this massive push that's happening is actually happening from a very silent minority of people and they're very loud. And it's important now that I, I think this is something that's come out over the last couple of years is that silent majority is now starting to get loud and they need to. We need to push back. And it's people like ourselves that are just ordinary Australians. We've had enough. And instead of talking about it, we decided let's throw our hat in the rings, aligning with freedom parties, freedom-friendly parties, and actually putting putting the uh, rubber on the road and let's, let's, let's hit the ground running and it's, let's stir it up a little bit because we need to bring common sense back to Parliament House. Yeah, well, that, uh, yes, that's sorely missing. Uh, common sense <laughs> would be wonderful. I mean, the, the debates we're having in media and parliament, uh, when you, you've you got um, uh, Alex Antic and Jared Rennick, mm -hmm. uh, people like that, asking the the people who are the medical experts who, <laughs> who've decided everything about our freedom and liberty for the last few years, can they define a woman? And they're absolutely like deer in the headlights, just frozen in fear that they, yeah. they might, like, where's this common sense? I know. It's That's replaced it. with craven fear. Yeah. Uh, Tony, why United Australia Party? Um, look, I mean, I've been around obviously parties a long time. So I've exhaustively analysed them all over the years. Um, mine was very, very simple. And it was just one morning 
about three in the morning, I got woken up and God said, I want you to join the party. And I literally walked in and filled in the thing and went back to sleep. Three days later, he wrote me up again. I want you to nominate. And so I walked in and nominated. Oh, wow. And that was basically it. I have no, there's no um, policy epiphany. I actually agree with all the policies. I'm right behind them all. Um, I knew That's the framework. Helpful. Yeah, knew the framework at the beginning um, and knew the people behind it. So, but that was, it was just really God's prompting and um, a sense of obedience, which goes right back to the very beginning when God said he's going to save the children. And I said, I'll do it. So that's it. It's that simple. I think one of the cautions, uh, and it's the message I've been saying all night, um, vote for people, not parties. Um, One of the cautions I have is that Jackie Lambie came out of the Clive Palmer party, as it was back in the day. And she is so authoritarian, anti-liberty, hateful, screaming (laughs) thing um that it basically reiterates the necessity that even if you like the party make sure you get to know the candidate because there is leagues of daylight between you and jackie lambie um and you're up here (laughs) (laughs) i mean so it's just really important we can't we can't rest on a party brand, we have to get to know these candidates. I, I actually abandoned the whole party notion some time ago. And it, and it came to its pinnacle probably, I think it was 2013, we had safe schools rolled out by a Liberal government. And then in 2017, we had gay marriage delivered by a Liberal government. And then in 2018, we had um, abortion laws, 2019 and 2020, uh, euthanasia laws pushed through in Queensland. And then in 2021 and or 20 and on, we had all these attacks on freedom and they were all from the two major parties. Mm -hmm. And so the fingerprints are parties constantly. And you really, you need good people in all brands. Mm -hmm. And these are some really good people. And we need to be, just like I said, we need to be able to identify them. And like a surgeon, seek out righteousness. Because if we elect righteousness, it doesn't matter what brand it is, Mm -hmm. what color it is. If we elect righteousness, then our country will be returned. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, it's it's all about this crossbench. Yeah. If we can get a good crossbench into the lower house and a really good crossbench. I'm after a third. <laughs> <laughs> we want a third of the house. A third of the house. That's great ambition. Let's Come on. No, no. Positive. You, you Positive. are definitely sounding Palmer-esque. <laughs> One third. <laughs> Andy, um, uh, I get, you know, let me let me even, oh, I don't want to play devil's advocate, but let me give you some tough thoughts that other people have said about the Australian Values Party. One sure. of, uh, actually, it was an IMOP candidate, um, uh, and uh, she basically said, oh, when was Australian Values Party formed? And I said, I think it was either this year or last year, and I'm sure it was no, no longer. This was it year. this year? Yeah. Right. So she said, why? What was wrong with the existing ones, and why... Uh, are we splintering the vote or diluting the vote, I think, was the, the word that she particularly used. Well, it's a good question. I mean, where did it come from and why? Uh, the reality is it's Australia's newest political party. Um, I think it was formed out of necessity. Um, I mean, the, the purpose statement of the party sums it up for me. And when I looked at this and looked at the party and looked at the policies and spoke to Heston at length, about uh, really, like I said, looking for things I would disagree with as a conservative Christian man. And um, I didn't find any. In fact, all I found was unity. 
And I think we need a lot more unity. Mm. There's too much division. There's, there's way too much division in society at the moment. People are being divided across every line. And this party is looking to unify people. Let me read the, 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 um, the purpose statement. The purpose of the Australian Values Party is to bring balance back into politics by creating a government that is responsible and accountable to the Australian people, a government that will promote the welfare of all people and protect what Australians value. I can get behind that. And when I looked at the team, we've got 10 amazing candidates across Senate and, and lower house seats that are running in this election. I think the, the party had over 400 applications. So we're going quantity over quality. And the reason I get behind these people is that the combined lived experience and background of these people is amazing. So sorry, you had 400 applicants for candidacy? Yes, that's correct. And you've got 10 candidates yeah, across chosen, Australia? That were chosen, yes. Okay. So um, when I look at these people and as a team, I have a great deal of confidence that as a party, we can pragmatically assess any, any legislation that comes across our desk. And we will look at those from aligning with our strategic principles and then looking at whether they line up with our values. And the interesting thing about the Australian values, these haven't just been plucked out of the air. These are things that are already cemented in the DNA of what it is to be an Australian. In fact, every person that comes to this country from somewhere else and signs up to be an Australian citizen has to sign to agree to these values. Mm. That's where they were drawn from and expanded from. I'll give you a couple uh, examples here. I mean, uh, where, where are we? The first one, respect for the freedom and dignity of the individual. I mean, I can get behind that. Mm. You know, that includes your, your bodily autonomy and choices, mm. you know. Um, commitment to the rule of law. Well, the highest rule of law in this nation is the Constitution. In fact, the freedoms given under the Constitution are given to the people by the people and no government can take them or hold them back. And these are the things that the two-party system has forgotten. Mm. They've forgotten who they're serving and why. Um, equality of opportunity for all people. You know, freedom of religion, speech and association. Um, parliamentary democracy recognising the English language and a fair go for all. I love that, a fair go for all. It's like, mate, you know, it's part of being an Aussie, <laughs> isn't it? And now we're tearing that apart. Well, mm. I know that, I know who we are as a people. I know what I love about this country and I know what I'm prepared to die for. When I served this country in the military, I was prepared to die for it and I would do it again. I would lay down my life for this country. I love it so much. And it was breaking my heart through the pandemic, watching families torn apart, the amount of suicides that increased across this nation. We've got a, a mental health pandemic. Um, and I, I looked at the future of this country and I thought about my young kids and the, this beautiful nation that, I, that I've grown up in. And I thought, I'm not sure I want to bring them up here. Mm. And I started to look that's, for that's opportunities to leave. as a soldier. Absolutely. I was looking for opportunities to leave wow. the country I love that I've lost mates that have bled and died for this country. I was looking for I've a thought way. about it. Mm. And let's be honest, I think there's a lot of Australians out there, a lot of disenfranchised voters that are looking for a way out. Certainly from a party perspective, the Australian Values Party for me brings that dignity and unity back to the centre. We're not talking about left and right of politics anymore. We're talking about real policies that, that consider, that go through these values and consider 
how do we best implement this to support the people of Australia? Mm -hmm. And I know that the team at Australian Values Party can achieve that. And I'll tell you what, I'm so excited at the opportunity of getting into uh, Parliament and representing the people because I know that at the heart of it, there's a lot of voters out there that can't wait to put people like myself and these lovely people here into Parliament. Yeah. So just to reflect on what you were saying, Andy, I remember I was having a deep and meaningful conversation with my mum and dad at Christmas time. We always have them over for, you know, Christmas lunch. And I was, you know, opening my heart up with my dad and my dad's 80 years old and he's, you know, why am I running? Why am I doing this? And and I said a sim- similar thing to my dad. I said, Dad, I love this country. I'm willing to fight for this country. And with tears in my eyes, I said, Dad, I'm willing to die for my country. And, um, and and he we kind of had this moment, my dad and I, and, and he said, I feel the same way. And um, and we embraced and, you know, we kind of agreed as a family that we're going to support one another in this journey. So yeah, patriotism's not dead. I mean, no, no, as a nation, not, this not. nation is It not is on the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they're going to have to find their identity and their purpose in something. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're looking in an area that's got no stability and no foundation. Yeah. What we have is true foundation. Yeah. Australia was built on biblical Christian values. Oh, it was written into our constitution, as we've discussed previously. And if we continue to build on that, then we are going to succeed as a nation. We can overcome things like the $1.4 trillion debt. This is not insurmountable. In fact, mm. I'm filled with hope for a better future for Australia. And I'm excited because of the calibre of people that are rising up through this election cycle mm. to actually challenge these two parties and bring them back in line. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Uh, some great uh, comments here. Um, Kasha says, such a great group of Christian candidates. Tony Moore will do an incredible job in the seat of Fisher. Grateful for God-fearing men and women putting their hands up to make Australia great again. Uh, Wen says, I would vote for any of these candidates if I was in their electorate. Thank God for them who answered the call to fight and get our freedoms back from the major parties. Justin says he loves this country too and would fight for it, and a lot of us would. Um, And Trevor has um, a question which is probably um, inappropriate and just distracting. Um, So I actually... You know what? I'm actually going to handle it. Um, Question for Amanda Neal. How does one nation values intersect with your prosperity gospel? Feel free to go after me, but may I go first? Yes, please. (laughs) Prosperity gospel theology. Um, Trevor, prosperity heresy is a problem, and there is some out there, Um, but there is good prosperity doctrine. Unless you believe God wants you to be busted our skin of your pants poor, uh, in which case um, please head to goodsource.news forward slash supporters and donate all your money there if uh, <laughs> poverty brings honour to God. Uh, but as many, many, many scriptures say, um, that prosperity is a good thing and uh, God is a good God and a good father. I don't want my kids poor. I'm pretty sure God doesn't want his kids poor. And Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No lack. Uh, Prosperity, like any doctrine, marriage, uh, end times, uh, it's all kinds of doctrines which can absolutely get abused and distorted and misrepresented, taught, misheard and manipulated 
um, those things absolutely um, should not be repeated. Uh, and we should always be coming back to the word of God for that. Um, but yeah, if you mean prosperity heresy, do you believe in prosperity heresy? Definitely not. I believe the blessing of the Lord, it makes us rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Let's let's um, have a, a serious discussion. Um, how do your beliefs and or would your beliefs still be the same if you lived in Afghanistan under the Taliban? Yes, because the, the, the word of God doesn't change no matter where we are in the world. It's the same yesterday. So are they today, bad Christians because they're not rich driving BMWs and living in five bedroom double brick double Defin garage houses? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. Maybe they haven't um had same access to the same teachings that, that we have that have um you know that, that have taught us faith and taught us about prosperity and taught us about the blessing of God. But I mean this country as we've talked about the constitution and this country being founded and grounded in the word of God is the reason that we are a blessed country. Mm -hmm. And it's the reason why we have been a blessed nation. Yeah. And the, the and the reason why we need to restore these things back in our nation. Yeah. To mm. restore that heritage, to restore that foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Something you said, Andy, um, was uh, I guess about how Christian our constitution was or how biblical the values are that are in it. Um, something that's, I guess, interesting to note is that the only mention of Christianity in the, in the Constitution is that it, one in the preamble. Mm. It's actually very deliberately um, neutral. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think it needed to be. Absolutely. But I think the thing that you alluded to rightly was that um, that they had to put that acknowledgement of God in the preamble because the nation, the population was so dominantly Christian, um, if not church going, then at least Christian, sympathetic or Christian, uh, passionate. Um, they all believed in God and acknowledged God predominantly, not all. Um, but um, if they hadn't have had that acknowledgement of God, they never would have got the constitution passed at the referendums in each state. And I think that's one of the things that really attracts me to the Australian Values Party. It's not, it, it's a reflection of society in Australia today. Um, you know, there, there's myself as a, as a sort of conservative Christian. Um, there's other people with different faiths and backgrounds and, and, and ways of life and understanding of, of the world. And what happens is when we get the opportunity to come together and look at a problem from multiple directions mm. and actually assess it against our core values that we believe in, because that's what we're saying we agree to, then we're able to respectfully really dig into some of these big issues and that's where we get real resolution from a military perspective we've got a we've got a lot of military background eight out of our ten candidates across the nation have military background they've gone on to do other things lawyers doctors nurses small business owners etc they're all excelling in in areas of life but they've got real lived experience with assessing a problem taking it apart putting it back together with real pragmatic solutions because that's what you do in the military. You're trained to do that. You're trained yeah. to look at a problem from a perspective of solving it and actually doing something about it, not just words and policy and, and doctrine, but actually getting in there. And, you know, I, I, I think about this from a practical type perspective. We talked about before, don't ask someone to do something you're not prepared to do yourself. 
whenever we had an opportunity in the military to go into a, a location, whether it was overseas or even here in Australia, into a community, a remote community, for example, you don't go in there and say, right, this is what we're going to do to make your life better. No, you meet with the people and say, how can we help? Mm. And that is my approach and that is the party's approach to the people. The people of McPherson can know that I will come to them and say, how can I help? Yep. What are the things that you're really worried about? And in my electorate <laughs> through this campaign so far, there's two main issues that they're constantly talking about. One is the, the cost of living and rising inflation. And number two is certainly the over-governance and loss of freedoms, mandates Absolutely. and everything mm -hmm. else that goes along with it. So if I'm listening to these people, well, let's work out a way to resolve this. How do we do that? And it's through that pragmatic sort of grabbing of, uh, of these problems putting them through these filters, addressing them against our strategic objectives, making sure they line up with our core values and coming up with, with solutions that are actually going to achieve change on the ground. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, please share this program, share this video. Uh, make sure you like it and invite your friends to join in as well. Uh, it's important that we include as many people in these conversations as possible. Uh, don't forget, we need you to uh, not just vote for a Freedom Party to make a difference. We need you to volunteer now. They need people at pre-polling. They need people on election day helping hand out how to vote cards. Maybe as many as one in five people have not made their mind up before they turn up on election day. Uh, and those how to vote cards, uh, I think they're a terrible part of our system, <laughs> but they are a part of our system and you have to be in it. You have to turn up and, and show up. So we need a, an army of volunteers. Um, as many people as turned out for the protests at least should be volunteering for freedom parties uh, on pre-polling. And, and, and of course, we don't just need um, polling stations before and on election day, but scrutiny is that night and the next few days afterwards. Um, so that's super important. Um, Tony, I'm going to start with you and then ask everybody this question. Um, and, and that is, let's pick one policy that um, comes from your party platform um, yeah. or even one that you have that's not on your party platform. That, that's fair <laughs> game. But um, what one policy are you particularly proud of that you think is going to make a real difference to Australia if achieving, in achieving a balance of power you can negotiate with the government to, to implement or, or head in that direction? Yeah, good question. Um, the good thing with policy is that where, where you see good policy, you draw from good policy. Where you see bad policy, you're obviously going to oppose it. So whether policy is coming from one nation or some other party, um, I'm happy to pick that out and run with it. Um, there are some great senators, for example. Malcolm Robbins is a great example of a really? senator. Yep. And um, I've spoken to him many times, but he actually does the job very well. So he, he he's an ally. Um, but let me not talk about UAP policy. Let me talk about one that's personal to myself from yeah, my please, experiences. Um, one of the policies... Are you glad are... I opened the door on that? Oh, no, no. You <laughs> knocked your socks off. Let's do another one. <laughs> policy for policy. Um, but look, one of the ones that comes out of working child protection and, and looking through the lens of that, of that space is around mothers suffering domestic violence. And yes, not only mothers or females suffer domestic violence, but most do. Um, and one of the restrictions around them seeking assistance and help is that often their assets are tied to their partner. So the, the mum may be at home with the kids and the partner's earned super, which is in his name. 
and he's earned income which remains in his name and bank accounts in their name so when the time comes that they need to actually escape they have no resources no money no support a simple thing is to actually take superannuation that is earned in the household and divide it between both partners so that they're equally resourced because a mother is working in the home as much as perhaps the father is out in society and then you can extend also that with tax incentives so that income across a family or a household is split between the two mm. and that way it lowers income tax now obviously these have to go through um refinement and and parliament but the idea of thinking in these directions where we go here is a problem that is in our society how can we as people who care about our people care about the kingdom and care about solutions what can we draw in together and that's i guess one example and that's why i really like some of the policy that uap are putting up because they're seeing a need and they're saying you know what this will help and this will also help and this is how we can actually head off things to protect our people yep toby your favorite lib dems policy you think that's setting the standard in original thinking I think it's our um, taxation policy, actually. So the Lib Dems um, are standing just to lower the cost of living um, because that's one thing that I'm getting asked about all the time. It's mm. like the cost of living is going up. We can't even afford to, to buy fuel to get to work, to, to pay the bills in the first place. Um, we've got communities doing outreach programs within their own community and they've got community groups that are saying, hey, we need, I've got no dinner on the table tonight. And people literally bringing around loaves of bread just to help out in communities. Um, this is happening over in Eagleby, not down, too far down the road from here, because we are in the heart of our electorate and Ford right here. Um, and the cost of living is just going through the roof. So when I have the opportunity to talk to people about our 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 uh, taxation policy, which is basically uh, fighting for once we get down there, if we can hold the balance of power, um, throwing in twenty percent of flat tax rate for all for all and also raising the uh tax three threshold from eighteen thousand two hundred dollars up to forty thousand so you won't pay tax under forty thousand dollars now it takes it even one step further than this because in that um if you're a business that's for you as well so we want to uh, regenerate so the company small tax business. rate. The company tax the rate as well will be a flat 20% tax rate. That's good because nobody's going to be tempted to hide their income in a company. That's right. I mean, we, we're obviously a, we've got a lot of policies around that, which means we're like re reducing red tape and green tape, which is now going to be imposed on everybody as well. We, that's coming. Oh, uh, it's already there. Yeah, we yeah. know it's decades old accumulation. Um, absolutely. And so not just a flat 20% tax rate for businesses, but if they're reinvesting, we want to encourage businesses to grow, to extend and to expand. So encouraging them, if, if they reinvest that money that they would have been taxed on back into their business, then they don't get taxed on that. So we want expansion. The backbone of our economy is in the small and middle-sized businesses, and we need them to have the freedom, but mm. not just the freedom, the encouragement to actually extend and go harder because what does that do that brings in more business mm. for them it lowers the cost of living um, for everybody else as well because you've got more work opportunities as businesses grow those grow as well um, that's probably the number one that lines up 
um, especially for the people in my electorate, the p- things that they're saying to me, how can we help you? It's a cost of living's going through the roof. Um, but a big one for us is we want to put nuclear energy back on the table. You're only allowed so one right now. I'm only allowed yeah. one. <laughs> can we come back to that, though? Because I do want to talk about nuclear energy. No promises. We'll see no how promises, comments yeah. and, and everything goes. Yeah, I'm a big go. fan too, mate. Yeah. Show of hands real quick. Anybody yeah. here in favour of nuclear? New nuclear. I mean, yeah, we've, yeah, we've done some absolutely. in-depth analysis on this stuff, right. and and the success that they had in France, and you know, this is this is proven technology that is safe, affordable, effective, and yeah. and yep. achieves all the green goals as well. So yeah. you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at um, such a minimum amount of waste compared to what it was. Everyone's got this oh Chernobyl thing going on in the back of their head. Let's get it back on the table. That's all we want to do. We want to put it back on the table. We want to show people that the technology is completely different. Regulation. The way to avoid different. Chernobyl is don't become a communist nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't. We don't have default lines to worry about either. I mean, this country is, you know, geologically ge- geologically stable. sound for yep. this type of Absolutely. technology. And I think, like you said, it needs to be put back on the table and have a real discussion, a pragmatic mm. review of what it is. How can it support this nation? Because yep. we can provide cheap, effective mm. energy, reliable, yeah, yeah. reliable, and and provide it to the whole nation yeah. basically free. Yeah, so, exactly. We could be completely energy independent. I was talking to a boat builder. I'm not talking just a small boat builder. I'm talking massive, massive ships. And he said that he wants to go nuclear with the power of his boats because he can travel around the world several times over on the amount of nuclear energy that would fit inside a briefcase. Mm-hmm. A briefcase yeah, of nuclear and energy. environmentally friendly. And it's extremely <laughs> environmentally friendly. Um, so, yeah, we do. I think we're all in agreement there. It has to get back on the table. We need to start talking about it. I can't believe the Greens haven't been talking about this. Um, and that just shows that... They're not pro-environment, they're, they're anti-human. They're, they are anti-human, 100%. Amanda... Your favourite One Nation policy? Yes, there's lots, but my favourite one that is a standout for me, and it's something that um, Senator Malcolm Roberts has been very passionate about, and that is um, one upholding the Australian Constitution. Absolutely. Mm. Um, Novel. Yes. Novel idea. Um, I mean, that has been so highlighted in this season, hasn't it? I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, the the, the liberties and, and the... That, that have been taken away, the freedoms, which we're all very familiar with here, but how that things that have been going on are con- contrary to what the Australian Constitution um, mm-hmm. says. So we really need to get that back forefront. Um, it needs to be on the agenda. It needs to be something that I know One Nation um, will be fighting for and something that I will be backing and 100% behind. And with along with that, the Australian Constitution um, it is there so that we are not undermined, putting that first place, so that we're not undermined like world organisations right. like the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, this, this is important. I mean, we've, we're, we've been stuck into treaties that were signed decades ago that are so outdated and they're never reviewed again. They're kind of like signed, agreed, and then put under the table and that's the last we ever, you know, the, the last we ever um, review them and things mm. change, things happen. Um, they need to be, you know, reviewed and say, okay, is this still the best decision or the best policy 
for Australia. And I tell you what, we've got some um, treaties that we are a part of out there that are not at the best interest for Australia. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> um, that that's a big one for me. And uh, I know Malcolm's been very passionate about it. Um, a lot of the party's passionate about it. The MPs are passionate about it. So that will be definitely, um, that'll be on the table for One Nation. Um, and if I'm elected, that's something that I'll be standing up for. Yeah, well. brilliant. Thank you. Andy. Uh, your well, favourite Australian the, Values Party. It's hard policy. to pick one. I mean, we're, but talking, you must. we're talking about, <laughs> I'm not big on promises, right? <laughs> we're talking about achieving the balance of power. And when we do that, you've got to be prepared to work with all parties and independents, right? So some of these ideas are wonderful, but we're not going to be in echo chambers by ourselves coming up with our policy and pushing it through the door. That's simply not how it's going to work. So what it's going to require is a critical review of what's existing and make it work better. So one of the things I'm particularly proud of with the Australian Values Party is the housing affordability and cost of living um, that we've we've put together a policy that is really sound, really critical, it has been thought through, and it looks at reviewing the key materials required for housing development in Australia. We have the resources, mm. we have the materials. Problem is they're not being utilised well. We are mm. paying way too much for them because the way that the uh, taxation rates are set up for international businesses. The um, local infrastructure is, is being taxed out of the market. People can't even afford to buy anything that's produced in this country. We need to turn that around. It's about restoring big, uh, small and medium business in Australia and big business, but a critical review of those key materials that are required for the housing industry. If we can review that, make sure that the, we uh, put the money back into supporting the businesses here, producing the materials that we need here and using them here. There's a novel idea. Mm. Rather than sending everything offshore, that yep. we actually create an economic stability environment where people can afford to build their own homes and we can develop and grow as a nation. This is not impossible. It's been done before and it can be done very effectively and we can actually claw back that massive debt that the two parties have got us into quite quickly. Wow. That's brilliant. Um, now I have asked everybody, haven't I? Yes? yes. Good. Uh, I, I have to put on screen this comment here from uh, Jerichai. Uh, this is Smiling Jerry, a very, very black African immigrant to Australia. And he says, my favourite one policy, my favourite one policy of One Nation is less immigrants. Uh, is that is that the actual policy? Less immigrants. It's it's. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it's making sure that the immigration rate that we're taking in that Australia can. You know, we've got a, ha a housing and affordability crisis. So, you know, we need to look after our own backyard first. So it's not a no immigration. It is a tailored back immigration. Mm. Excellent. Did anyone see the um, article in the paper just a couple of weeks ago? And it was that 200 or more than 200,000 immigrants now have citizenship and can vote in this election. Wow. Yes. So that's an interesting way to get new, more votes for the Liberal Party. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder I if they flow strongly to the Liberal Party. Well, they put on the ceremonies, actually ring up and say, um, we're bringing your service forward and we're going to put you through. And we, they crash them all through in a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know no. if I should have just laughed at that. That's pretty sad if that's, uh, <laughs> if that's true. Well, cynical. I was talking to a few and they said there's no way we're voting for them. Look at what they did to the country.
country. <laughs> <laughs> I think wow. this nation was built on the back of immigration. I mean, we saw it post-World War One, post-World War Two. Um, my wife's Greek and Maltese heritage. I think it brings an incredible depth of diversity to no doubt as a nation. But do you believe in open borders? Absolutely not. Right. On, on so there is a limit. Mate, but I've got a lived experience with this as well. You know, mm. I was on the boats. We were protecting our borders off the shore of Indonesia, stopping these vessels coming in, and we saw what happened when we had weak immigration policies mm. and we saw deaths. I was part of that wow. to witness some of these horrific things with children overboard and all of these things. Now, tough immigration policy is the only way to go. It prevents death. It works. Yeah. We need to be behind that. Legal immigration is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, there's a bit of a misconception here that if you're only pro-legal immigration, you're a racist. Yeah, That's right. ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's not a, a black or white theory here. There's a lot of nuance in between. But the reality is Australia and who we are as a people has been greatly improved and, and uh, you know, 100% we, right. We are amazing as a country when we know who we are because of where we come from. And we are in, an incredibly diverse nation. So mm. one of the most diverse in the world, if not the most diverse in the world. And that is a beautiful thing. That's something to be proud of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's over uh, 200 cultures mm. in right. southeast Queensland. I mean, well over, like mm. 220, 230, um, huge numbers. Um, I know in uh, logan city it's a uh, last time i heard the number it was 217 um but yeah we yeah of course huge diversity is great but what's the lib dem um do you know the lib dem policy am i painted you into a corner all of a sudden you don't know the answer to um well i mean it's not going to be in our freedom manifesto that's for sure but i mean once you once you get into the balance of power and that sort of thing i can i can see um, that the Lib Dems are definitely um, a party that would be for uh, turning back the boats because it's all about safety in the end, mm. 100%. I mean, right now, I mean, on um, outsiders, they were talking about right now in Indonesia and places like that, we've got families sitting there waiting with a cash full of fi a fistful of uh, cash ready to go, and we've got people smugglers there. That's I mean, business. it's huge business, huge business. And I mean, these guys are profiting off the misery of others and this yeah. is what's happening and no we're not for um for open borders at all and we definitely will be voting against anything like that yeah. um and and we want the safety of people to come first I, i've actually got a clip which i haven't published yet um it should be out hopefully before the election um where campbell uh i guess explains the immigration policy yeah um that that libyans have and um, with the greatest of respect to One Nation, Pauline um, perhaps unintentionally misrepresented it uh, <laughs> on on uh, TV a, a week or two ago. Um, it, it's fairly sensible and 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 common sense. Uh, Fiona Millicent says Andy Cullen for PM. <laughs> uh, I, I got approached today. I was at the kids' swimming pool to lead the Liberal Party. This, this beautiful young girl, she walked up to me and said. I saw a photo of your you're running for president. I'd vote for you. <laughs> uh, thank you very oh, much. Oh no, it's an <laughs> indictment of the education system. Yes, well, right. uh, don't look down this end. It's an interesting <laughs> observation. When do we stop teaching? The, a long time ago it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because the constitution and when did we stop teaching people how to vote? 
Yeah, well, yes. but it serves. I can, the I can answer. I can answer this question. Did we ever? Yeah, I can answer the question right now. Yeah. In the in the uh, national curriculum right now, it is a grade six unit. Okay, so that unit is taught in grade six and quite literally for about five weeks. That's it. Yes. Okay. Then, um, if they're lucky, if their school, um, it's, this has not been happening over the last 12, two years. Right before they need yeah. to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So. If they're lucky, those grade sixes, they they do a mock parliament or something for that five-week unit. At the end of it, maybe it fits into their grade six camp where they fly down to Canberra, they go into parliament, they go into the electoral commission and do a little mock uh, voting scenario. Um, and then they go skiing, fly home, and the unit's done and it's all over. Mm -hmm. My proposal was, why aren't we teaching this right in year 12, exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, in those uh, set for success lessons and, and lessons that are there for them to succeed once they leave, um, to say, this is how you vote, this is how it's run, you've got to make a choice, you start to make an informed choice. What we're lacking right now, and, and this is a big gripe of mine, is we've got to start to create critical thinkers mm. not just this is what you actually are being taught that's it mm. that's it yeah. push 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 um and it's the the disappointment is actually it's not exactly the teachers itself because what's happened is it's infiltrated at the highest level yeah. okay it's in the university sector and you can go into a university course i want to be a school teacher and the first thing they do is okay you've got to buy this book for this university course. And you look there and you're like, oh, okay, it's written by this person. You get into your lecture theatre and the person at the front of the lecture theatre is the same person on the bottom of the book that cost you 400 bucks. Wow. So if you're not then, uh, it might be English 1, you, your first year at uni, you rock up, oh, my goodness, I'm being taught by the person that's the author of this book. How good is that? Yep. You go into every university and it's the same setup. And if you're not preaching the same stuff coming out of your mouth in your assessment, uh, you won't pass the course. And then it's being driven into the classroom. And these mm. the guys thinking that it's absolute gospel. They're not becoming critical thinkers themselves because they've come through the same education system to get there. And now that's what's happening and we've got ourselves caught in this well, vicious cycle. Knowledge mm. is power. I mean, we've got to get back to a modern-day reformation. I mean, we're, we're withholding the information from the people. We don't want them understanding so how the, the voting works. We don't want them to understand that actually the people hold the power, not the government. That's it. And um, That's it. The yeah, lying heartlet I've, I've media. spoken to a lot of um, teachers <laughs> about right. this. My mum was a teacher her whole um, working career, and um, I speak to a lot of teachers. I often hear one of the critical things that they, they believe is the issue is the teachers are under-resourced. They're not provided with the training they need and the, the uh, materials and, and resources they need to actually deliver what matters. Like even simple stuff like, you know, teaching kids how to farm, how to produce um, good, healthy food from home. Like these are these are things that we take for granted. Well, I certainly did. I grew up on a farm and then in a city half my life and I was taught these things of how to how to butcher your own meat and how to grow your own vegetables and all these types of things that are just almost uh, as if they're not important anymore in the curriculum. But if we get back to what is truly important, I think we need to have a critical review of the entire federal education system. Yeah, I mean, definitely. this has been going on for a long time, but they've gotten nowhere with it. Mm. The problem is they've reviewed it, got all these ideas, but haven't actually implemented them well across the country. Mm. And it's an issue of over-governance again. We've yeah, got too, too much separation between the federal and the state and even local governments, yeah. which is just tearing 
the country apart. Mm. We need a critical review of how much governance is needed. We need to go back to how it was set up initially as a constitutional monarchy and the actual system that was designed for it was never designed for this many layers no, of government. Right. And now yeah. we're looking at adding layers. Mm. We're looking at adding another layer. Let, yeah. We need to simplify this, bring it back so that we're working for the people to what? Make life simpler and easier and better for every Australian. Yeah, I absolutely. tell you what, um, I, I, I want to see economic skills brought into senior school. I want people taught how to budget, yes. how to save, how to invest, yes. how to read an assets and liability statement, how to read a profit and loss statement. Uh, we've got people right now who are, you know, the news is, I mean, they do fear porn for a living, but um, we've got people right now who are basically thinking they're going to lose their home because interest rates went up one quarter of a percent mm. um, while they're Can't at expect. historical historical lows and what and were so, they when your parents bought a house oh that would have been above 10 <laughs> <Yeah>. percent <laughs> they would have been but my question is how did you get yourself into a mortgage which was going to sink you when it moved anywhere mm. um well the banks are responsible for this well that and education system i mean mm. it, it's buyer beware just don't get a mortgage that you can't afford if it goes up two percent absolutely um and and Look, the financial illiteracy is huge, and and again, it's just, people should be taught how our government works, democracy, voting. They should be taught how money works, uh, investing, saving. Superannuation being compulsory is ridiculous. What should be in, what should be compulsory is financial education. You brought up a, a good point there about superannuation. I mean, there is a lot of money in superannuation, but it's all offshore. It's, you know, let's look at building Australia again. If we looked at better use of some of these um, assets that Australia has, again, it's about critically reviewing what we have, making sure actually is the, the way we're using it in the best interest of the Australian people. I mean, natural gas. Have a look at the export of natural gas. We export a massive amount of natural gas. We're the biggest exporter in the world. Absolutely. Mm. Yet where's the money going? The money's going to China. Yep. We get a very small percentage of the money that is is gained from the sale of that natural gas that actually comes back to Australia. That's horrific. Australians are paying more for natural gas in their home than we're selling it to people overseas. That is not in the best interest of the Australian people. We are not using our resources that we have as a rich and wealthy nation well, but if we did, we'd not only pay out the debt, we'd be one of the most powerful nations in our region, and once we achieve that, we can, we can better support mm. the other uh, nations in our region so we wouldn't have a complete failure of our international policy and see what's happening in places like the Solomons today. Yeah, yeah. but I get all of these things, though, they, they kind of reduce all the way down to this one problem that people keep voting for parties and not people. Hmm. It actually does. I mean, hmm. we can right. we can increase education. We can do all of these things, and we all we all have policies to deal with all of these things. Yeah. But the bottom line is, if we don't have electors that know to stop looking at the colours and actually choose a candidate who is your champion, yep. and establish the representative model in the constitution, hmm. which hmm. is that we represent our people, yes. not a party and what yeah. they all want to get out of this, like the red and blue teams do. We actually, representative governments 
And if our people actually said, look, I'm going to actually research how many candidates are in your seat? Eight. Eight. I'm going to research all four of them are the best one. friendly. But yeah. it's an interesting point all you bring them? up. Four of them. Oh, four of them. Yeah. <clears throat> if the United Australian Party preference me number one, then we could probably take out the incumbent. It's well, an interesting concept. Well, I think at the moment. No, well, I'm I serious. Think at the moment, if Ellen, we look at we look at preferencing, I mean, you're let's, a, you're let's, let's talk this. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. talk it through. I mean, the reality is, we are in a position where we can actually take out an incumbent of a, a seat that has been LNP stronghold for years. Actually, the the sitting member has been in there for twelve years. I think we should have a maximum. I agree. Uh, term limits. Term limits. I agree. Well, but Absolutely. Karen Andrews. Karen Andrews, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Foreign Affairs Minister. So she's been in that seat, I think, won by 65% in the last election. Mm. This is like Labor, LNP stronghold. LNP is like, this is, we've got this seat wrapped up. Mm. I'll tell you what they don't. They're actually in real problem now because there is a, a movement that I don't believe they can stop. I think they're underestimating it. We know the media yeah, is underreporting it, but there is a wave of support for these minor parties. Now, <laughs> yeah. we've got four seats across the country, mm. and I think there needs to be a discussion between people like Heston Russell, who's a, the leader of my party, and the leader of yours to say, right, there's four seats that we're looking at putting um, members into the, the lower house. What would happen if we preferenced your guy first? Well, they do, but that, that sort of then brings up the notion of preferencing. We've all heard it. The question I get asked a lot, and I'm sure everyone else does, yep. where are your preferences going? Let's, let's go but there. The, but yes. the thing is, and this is the thing, on the actual ballot itself, it says, choose, if we're taking the lower house, it says order starting at number one, one to six in the order of your choice. Absolutely. Preferences are the people's choice. They are not a party's choice. And all parties can do is offer a suggestion for those who don't research and a suggestion for those people who need a hand and who haven't learned in the education system mm. how to vote. And we come back always to this problem that it's educating our people on how to choose the right champions. And I, I would vote for all of you. Mm. If I was in your seat and wasn't, I'd be voting for you because you are you're champions in your own right. Um, even David's a champion in the space that he is in where he's championing for truth and justice and righteousness in this space. And the more of us electors that actually say there's one there and there's one there and don't get distracted by party this and preference that because that's what they want. They want us to be going, oh, but where are your preferences going? Oh, but what about that policy? Oh, what about this policy? What we need, like you've said before, in a battle we don't get to choose who are beside us, but we do get to choose what we do when we're fighting and what battle we're fighting. Yep. And this battle right now is for Australia, and we can unite in the way we fight it with righteousness and finding good candidates yep. wherever yeah. they are found and support them. We had, we had a really interesting um, political discussion last night, and there was four parties that were represented, these four parties, <laughs> in my electorate. Yep. And the, the other uh, three meet the candidates, meet, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other three candidates were great people. And the first thing I said, I stood up and I said, I'm not running against these people. I'm actually running alongside them. Yeah. yeah. These are great people that are standing up for the same things Nicely we're, said. we're mm. moving toward. Yeah. And we need that approach, this yes. unified approach. I mean, mm. we have a um, an agreement with One Nation and they're preferencing us too on the ballot. And, and these are important. But again, like you said, it is the individual's vote 
Yep. It is who they believe they want. And I don't think yep. that's well understood across the community. No, it's not. No. They but still think they're voting for a prime minister. That's yeah. right. And they're not voting. <laughs> you are president. not voting for a prime minister. <laughs> or a president. Or a president. What I love about and what we've seen in this, this whole freedom movement is we're seeing this talked about and we're seeing it discussed like never before. I, mean, I don't remember any election no. previously where we've had the in-depth teaching and education amongst the freedom parties to the public on what what, what what is your preferences, how does that work, what does that mean? And so I think this is good and healthy that Absolutely. we're getting it out there in this space for not only this election but in future elections because yeah. I think it's going to spark people's interest to say, hey, I need to understand more about this so mm -hmm. that I can vote according to my values and according appropriately to what I believe is the best for my nation. Mm -hmm. I agree with everything you said except for the future election part. I, I believe our time is now. I agree. I'm not Absolutely sure that we're actually yeah. going to get this opportunity again. Yeah. yeah. I believe we need to rise up as a nation yes. to take right. this nation back and make it accountable again. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we're talking about, yes. Yes. holding the two major parties accountable yes. for the mess that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's not the status quo, let's accept the status quo. Yeah. status quo actually means the mess we are in. That's yeah. right. I don't want to accept the mess we are does in. Does it really? It does. So <laughs> let's get in there, hold them accountable. Yeah. And Can we get an ABC it? fact check on that, please? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but, but the time is now and the, 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 the people have an appetite for change. Mm. We need to rise up together and, and yeah. actually pounce on this because if we don't unify in this yeah. effort, yeah. it will not happen yeah. and I'm not sure that we'll get another yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Mm. I, I agree. We're down to the last, the very last thing. We've yeah. lost all of these things I spoke about before, um, you know, marriage and abortion. You think We've lost all of those. We've lost our freedoms. The last one we have is the right to vote. Mm -hmm. And I don't think beyond this election, if we don't reset the deck yeah. and put good people back in, yes. I don't think we're, we're they're in making, all sorts of trouble. They're oh, making yeah. deals oh, yeah. overseas yeah. and we have, we're very aware of that. Yeah. And mm. we need to actually now call our people and we need to call our churches and yeah. say, wake up. Yeah. Yep. Our churches and church leaders wake yeah. up the people who are sitting in the seats who sit there and go, four walls keep me safe. No, they haven't kept you safe. You had to check in or wear a mask. You need to actually. If you were allowed if in. If you were allowed in, <laughs> I went wherever I wanted to go. Can I, can I just go back to the preferences very quickly there? Because there's one point that I think we need to touch on that was just looked over. Um, obviously, yes, we want to get to know the individual. Uh, yes, there's preferences there. Um, and I think the one point that we miss there is by saying, yeah, you're in charge of your vote. You get to choose who you want. It still means that you're going to be standing at the gate saying, please vote for me and handing out your cards 100%. We'd like what not the to. Australian, we would like not to. Absolutely. Yes. It should be just you go in and vote. Yeah. But at the, at the same point, the, the people need to know that we put these preferences down and we do it very, very strategically yeah. to help us get across the line, mm. okay? That's the way yours should be set out yes. and everybody else's. It's not a value statement. It's not a value statement, and it, it should never be viewed as that. So That's getting to know the individual, okay, <laughs> yeah. that is important. And then not looking at their how-to-vote card going, oh, this, you know, where they've done a deal with UAP. These Liberal Democrats have got one, then UAP too. Oh, I don't know if I want to vote for them. Voting for the person 
following their how to vote card means that you want to back them 100% to get them across the line. And strategically, they've set up that how to vote card to get them across the line. Yeah. Now, 100% with what you just what you were finishing on there, where is the church? The church is his time for revival. It is. Yes. They have yes. seen Step up and what has happened over the last two mm. years. Join us on the that <laughs> pew is there. It's a building. The church are the people. The people need so, to step up now. It's. I would like to see a church promote a conversation like this mm. where there was freedom to disagree on specific parties come come to chapel on the gold coast i mean let me articulate this point what i want is for a pulpit and a pastor to say guys it's important you get into it yeah we follow jesus yeah we love our nation yeah. we love our neighbors now whatever that looks like to you if it looks orange red blue green whatever that's okay for a start don't hold that against anybody but secondly we follow Jesus and the word of God is our foundation and final authority. So once we're on this journey, when we find disagreement, we're not trying to promote uniformity. So the differences are okay, but we are trying to promote unity, mm -hmm. unity in Christ, unity on the word of God. And so when uh, somebody is going to be voting green, a, a really serious conversation needs to be happened. And it's not a condemning, how can you be so stupid conversation. It's a, and no, not not dark green, but uh, <laughs> watermelon green. Watermelon. <laughs> um, when, um, when somebody's going to be voting like that, we can say, do you know they're actually anti-human baby killers? Um, and does that line up with the word of God? And we can, we can have a conversation because I tell you what, if I'm wrong, I want somebody I trust yeah. who loves me to bring that correction. Because I don't want to stay wrong thinking I'm right. And have you ignorance isn't bliss. Ignorance is a liability. Yeah. Have you seen a good example of like a group church or something? Yeah. Doing chapel. That? Chapel, so chapel is my, my local church on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And the pastors there are just phenomenal. I mean, the interesting thing is he can't even vote. But he's that passionate mm. about um, people taking an active stance in governance. I mean, I've talked about this a lot. I say... I like you know, your pastor. He's a good guy. He is a good dude. Marshall, I mean, and Marshall. And he's just put together the ACL one down there, and they're going to do another one next week for the Senate candidates. Yeah. Um, and it's wonderful. We had over 600 people attend the first one, and mm. I think they'll probably get double that at this next one. Brilliant. Um, but the, 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 the point here is apathy is a killer, mm. right? If you don't want to take an interest in the people that govern you, don't complain when you're ruled by tyrants. Mm. That yes. is the reality. It's like... In fact, people that tell me I don't want to talk about politics and I say, okay, that's fine. What what are you interested in? What really, you know, what what drives you or what what are you not liking in society? And it always comes back to politics. Yeah. There's a decision or a policy that's been made into law and that's going against their liberties or their freedoms or or something mm. that they used to enjoy that they no longer can the way they want to. And they're upset with that one. So, okay, well, you are into politics. And the reality is every Australian yep. needs to shake the apathy off, mm -hmm. stand up and take the nation back. We've all yeah, got right. a responsibility and the yeah. responsibility is in your vote. Yeah, and we it. need a bit of a strategic analysis of this. Like yeah. I look at everything from that military training perspective and I think, okay, strategy, what is the, um, what is the best outcome for us, and it's interesting, the four parties represented here, we're all agreeing on a few things, right? We're agreeing that we need to take out the two majors. We're agreeing that we need to get in there to, to create a wedge to take the balance of power.
So how would we do that across 150 odd seats? Well, let's narrow it down. Where can we focus our efforts? Mm -hmm. And actually, that's the critical conversation that needs to occur at a national level between the four party leaders to say, there, there, there and there, we can take them if we just work together. There's um, mm. uh, a lot of suggestions. Um, I was talking to Jared Rennick today and he was suggesting that the Freedom Parties need to coalesce and form a, a coalition or, of some sort. Um, and he was worried that the the vote will just divide and dilute. And, and, um, <clears throat> and at the same time, we agreed that if voters can actually responsibly get into uh, tightly preferencing everybody, then it's as good as a coalition, that the preferences will all flow and, and one of the freedom parties will ultimately get the most. Now, it changes in each electorate. I think there's, there's nuance here that needs to be reviewed and they're the conversations that need to be had. It was probably a conversation that should have been had a year ago. It's we didn't late. even have the candidate. You got it. And that's right. It's too late in an election cycle to do this. The only it's not but, too late. but here's the thing is, and this is something I this is my posture all the time, is I want voters to start thinking beyond the tip of their nose. Yeah. Like it's not just about this election. It's I don't right. think this is our last right. chance. Every election from here on in will be the most important election we've ever had. It will always be D-Day. The, the like the nation can go forwards or backwards. It's the fork in the roads at every election. But we need to actually, what the left have done, what the cultural Marxists have done, is they've had a strategy which is decades, maybe generations in, in prospect. Uh, the, the strength of Chinese strategy is that they think in 10, 20, mm. and 50, and 100-year yes. game plans. And so if while we are thinking what's happening at the next election and the worst possible thing that could happen is the Labor government. We're not thinking, well, what happens if the Liberal government, the Liberal Party 10 years from now is worse than the Labor government of today? Uh, what, like, that's, a, that's the worst thing that can happen. And, and so we need to teach the Liberal Party a lesson right now or make them irrelevant or do both at the same time. And we can work on making them irrelevant by saying, okay, we've got this great start in this election. Let's not forget about it on Sunday, May 22nd. Let's actually consolidate and come up with a three-year plan for how we can work together, better collaborate, cooperate, better educate voters and, and spread the freedom movement to, to the next election. What's the, what's the uh, 2025 federal election going to look like? And, and can we get more people in the Liberal Party? Because we've got senators like Antic and Jared yeah, Rennick who are going to be evicted from the Liberal Party before you know they'll be put on the in the unwinnable position yeah. um and so if we don't have people infiltrating the liberal party back um we're going to be losing those people in parliament sometimes you've got to know when to cut and run i mean i've voted for my whole voting life and the the writing was on the wall over these last couple of years and i think it's that point of understanding there's no turning back well, now we know the, the liberal party, party system, without voting for them if the two-party system has proven how unsuccessful it is because of the mess that we are in now. But it's it's not a two-party system. It's a multi-party system with two-party thinking. Mm. It's two sides the of the voters, same They've actually become... The voters the are the two parties. There's this partisanship that people have... And I don't want people to get into a new partisanship where they discount good people like Rennick and, and Antic. 
True um, democracy <clears throat> is where we have a, a splattering of, of parties and independents that's across my the ideal, board, yeah. and, and those views of the people, because they've been elected by the people, all of those views need to be considered. Everything gets brought to the table mm. and put through our values yeah. of do we agree with this, does it line up with the Australian people serving them in their best interests? If it does, great, let's push that through. Mm. But at the moment, we are not seeing that because there's a power struggle that they've had too long and ultimately power mm. corrupts. And that's what's that's occurred right. over mm. the last few years to a point where it's capitulated into COVID and we've seen a total destruction of democracy. In my, in mm. my yeah. One of the things we haven't put on the table tonight, which is, you know, a contributor to this two-party backwards and forwards and at, is, is the media. Oh, I yeah. mean, how much, mm. of, you know, they've got a lot to media answer accountability. For. Oh, my Well, they're goodness. on the payroll. They're getting yes. paid. Yes. They are getting paid. Yes. So, so until we until know that with breaks, algorithms in in you know Google and Facebook yeah. and you know they they are pushing the agenda mm. of the the digital party. identity bill. Yeah. This is why I'm yeah. not not being um, you know, pushing a your agenda or anything and booking a little hype of vibe. This is our last real chance. Yes, of course, future elections are always going to be there. But it's the the level of control that's being pushed through now that we have never seen before. It is ramped up by this. We are now at that vertical point where we're seeing these really dangerous precedence legislation coming through mm. that is going to change the, the DNA of Australia forever. Mm. And that's why I think this election is so critical. Yep. That's why I think we need to get past these parties and think about what is our strategic objective? How are we going to best achieve break-in to a to get the balance of power across the nation for the people. Yeah. We can do it. Well, yeah, that's, that's another reason I chose the Little Democrats. I mean, there are policies there that we want to defund SBS and ABC. We, do, we set them up and use taxpayer money because we needed them. Yeah. We don't They're need them anymore. They're not doing their job anymore. We don't yeah. need them anymore. We shouldn't be funding them. So that needs to be cut. So we're saving there and it'll stop a bit of the corruption. You know that who way we should well. be funding? The good source. The good yes. source. Well, <laughs> Hello, is, talk. Joanne, yeah. Joanne Young thing. says, this is so good. Can you please do this every week with new Christian <laughs> Polly's Dave Pello? Uh, and the answer is I would like to, but uh, it, it's not overly affordable. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work. Now, Jerry, Smiling Jerry, has a, another comment here as well. I'm just trying to see where it's gone. There it is. This is the real people's Q&A, unlike the ABC <laughs> Q&A. Uh, so, guys, if you would like to help make more content like this, I need to ask you just to do something real practical. This is completely free. There's no paywalls. Um, I'd like to figure out how to do that, but it's free. Um, and so that means you can share it with everybody, get this information out there. Uh, but there is a bunch of people who are putting their hand in their pocket every week or every month and just coming up with $10, $20, $50 to uh, support shows like this and content like this. Uh, this is, I think, part of the long-term solution, and that's why I'm so committed to it altogether, and that is going to be uh, to, to make sure that we're giving people a reliable source of honest information and conversations uh, and giving good candidates and good policies the oxygen and attention that they deserve which the lying harlot media will will starve us from. Cut you off. <laughs> I was talking about the, the ABC and the interesting beast that they are. I mean, part of the ABC do amazing things, particularly around community, yeah. right? The small yeah. stuff, the, 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 the really important stuff, that community-based radio, it's amazing. completely 
Um, it, even those things, they're absolutely flooded with they leftist are. ideology, woke thinking. Oh, it even is broken. in those fantastic things. Mm. And that's a shame. It's a real shame. They, yeah. they attack they attack the core of who we are. I mean, they've been, <laughs> they've been attacking our military and our best, our special forces, yeah, with absolutely. frivolous allegations. And, oh, and who's holding them to appalling. account? You know, this a Marine heard a pop story and next minute we're, we're trying to strip citations off, off units. Thousands of mm. good men. This is it was disgusting. Yeah. You know, as a veteran going it was through watching that, watching the fall of <laughs> Afghanistan, mm. I've watched mates of mine take their lives because mm. of the media and they, they have blood on their hands. Yes. They need to be held accountable yeah. for this. Yeah. They're gonna put stuff out there without mm. that is baseless, yeah. without evidence, yeah. and it's having an impact on the ground, they need to be held accountable, just like our politicians and just like these yeah. bureaucrats yeah. who seem to make decisions that impact everyone's daily life. Yeah. Accountability is the key. And we're seeing now legislation being passed to protect them from prosecution. Yeah, well, mm. that's it. I mean, they are. They're hiding behind these unelected bureaucrats. And it just shows the lack of leadership in the country across the board. Mm. I mean, we've even got ICAC investigations in both of these parties at state levels as well. So, I mean, what we really need is some true leadership, ones that are going to make the tough decisions. And that's another reason I can get behind the Liberal Democrats because Campbell Newman is one of, I believe, one of the last true politicians, honourable politicians. And when he was elected, and this is one of the lying media's um, problem as well, he got the absolute um, kicked out of him by that media and even by politicians in his own party. When he was elected, in, when he was running for that seat, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut 12,000 government jobs. And he did it. Now, he got smashed by that. What does not get reported is 7,000 of those jobs that were cut didn't even have a warm body in the chair. They were set up as slush funds mm. and he got rid of them. And every other person, he offered a redundancy package and they took it because it was so good. You want to talk about something that's not being reported in the media is the 19,000 government <laughs> positions currently that Palaszczuk has actually got rid of. Now, I say got rid of, I don't, I don't say sacked, because what has happened is she has mandated vaccines. Mm. They didn't want to take it. They're on leave without pay, which means you can't get any government assistance while you're on figures are so leave good. without That's pay. Why okay, so they're technically so employed. But what's happening right now is it's come to the crunch time for all those employees. Right. They can no longer afford to live. Mm -hmm. Their savings have gone. Um, they're technically employed. They can't get any assistance, so they have to quit their job. So she's re retrospectively, she's sacked over 19,000. And the number's still growing because mm -hmm. there's still people out there on leave without pay because they are not yeah. getting that vaccine yeah. because yeah. they wanted that bodily autonomy that was taken away from them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a fundamental Sorry. human right. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact we get to the point in society where we're taking away people's fundamental human rights. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about mm -hmm. here. We have degraded to that level. Mm -hmm. And that's where people are saying, okay, Hang on, maybe my life isn't as safe as I thought it was. You know, you got the house, got the car, got the, the, the wife and kids and everything's fine. It's not until often these things are stripped away that we really ask the big questions. Often people find faith in that moment. I certainly did. And you get to that point where you've got nowhere else to look. Mm. You've reached the bottom of yourself and you go, right, oh, God, you better turn up. Mm. That's the point where a lot of people in Australia right now because they're going, hang on, government, I thought you were supposed to look after us. 
there was some stability here. I had my I had my family, I had my job, I had my home. All of those things are being stripped away, and people are going, "What? Where is the foundation? Where mm-hmm. is the foundation of this country gone?" Oh, we're we're completely weak. I mean, we are a weak nation, and it's really coming through because. I mean, after World War One, World War Two, we went through so much hardship, hardship that we could never, ever comprehend. Like literally you grew your vegetables because that was your grocery shop. Mm. Um, we had some tough people. My, my grandfather started his business by going down to the local river, shoveling out river sand onto the bank, then shoveling into his brother's truck and then wow. selling it that way, okay? When he had a breakdown... Try getting the green permit for his, that now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when he had a breakdown, my grandmother would be in the water, in the river, shoveling it up onto the bank, wow. okay? This is the, the generations we have been riding off their coattails for so long. We have no idea of what it's like to do it tough. No. These kids nowadays don't have any idea how to do it tough. Parents mm. would come to the school and say, I can't afford school fees. I need an extension. And then they're driving around in a new car the next week once you grant them the extension. The child's talking about, oh, I was watching this on Netflix and we've got Disney Plus as, as well. All these things, these luxuries, they're just, they don't see them as luxuries now. That's just, I deserve it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the entitlement. Right. It's the entitlement, absolutely. Well, so I want to keep I'm... it under two hours. So <laughs> no, no, we're actually so we're, much, we're, yeah, we're actually close. Um, so I'm going to have one question more for each of you that's, that's super pertinent, um, and then we'll just get you to uh, give us your final thoughts um, and um, tell us, well, I'll ask you again for your, your contact details where people can, can find you. So uh, final question is uh, abortion. Where do you personally stand on the child sacrifice industry, which is taxpayer funded in Australia? We'll start with you, Mr. Lib Dems. Mr. Lib Dems, um, <laughs> I am pro-life in every sense of the word. So even um, pro-life with abortion, euthanasia, I'm 100% pro-life as, as a Christian um, human being. I think it's absolutely disgusting. A real conservative. Uh, a real, a real mm. conservative. I, I think it's absolutely disgusting what's happened in Queensland right up to the day of birth. And a, what a lot of people don't realise, and let's talk about it openly here, what is happening is parents um, uh, having a baby, deciding they have the right to apparently choose whether that child lives or not after birth, and they are getting wheeled into what they're calling cry rooms and they're being left there to die with no pain medication, nothing. Mm-hmm. And when... Um, some, uh, some great lobbying groups out there trying to stand up for these uh, the kids without a voice. I mean, isn't that, it's just biblical, isn't it, right there? You know, we're meant to stand up for the voiceless. Mm, How much voiceless could you get right there? Yeah, yeah. We need to stand up for these, um, these kids, and it's disgusting. We have legalised murder in this country, yeah. uh, in the state of Queensland, and I'm ashamed by that, and I'll fight to, uh, to stand up for these mm. kids um, that may turn out to be the most amazing people. They are absolute blessings from God. Every child is a blessing. And I'm not scared to say a blessing, unlike uh, what the media tried to pull on Scott Morrison the other day. Oh, really? What a joke. Uh, he said he's blessed. And, and yeah, so oh, anyway, yes. um, 100% pro-life. Um, I wish I could have made it to the, um, uh, the rally um, on the weekend, but we actually had our launch party 
um, that night as well. But I really wanted to, to be up in Brisbane for the pro-life rally. Your uh, uh, Senate candidate in Queensland is also disgusted by late-term abortion and um, would uh, fight to overturn that. Yeah, um, that's right. And, and, and he and, fully and Campbell, agrees yeah. with your leader's policy on, yes. on pro-life. Yes, yeah. yes. And, of course, um, as a Christian... Um, I am very pro-life on both those issues as well. Um, and I don't apologise for saying this. Um, abortion is not a form of contraception. Correct. Um, and it, we've tried to dehumanise life mm. um, by some of these, these just heartbreaking uh, laws. I mean, it breaks my heart to even think of it. And as you, you know, I agree so, you know, completely that these lives, these beautiful children, I mean, you know, that, that would have been grown up and contributed to this nation yeah. and contributed to this world and had gifts and talents and blessings of God upon their lives and and, and they were never given that um, opportunity. And so um, I am very much pro-life. Awesome. Tony? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've known me for a long time now, but... Um, when I was 16, I actually got in touch with Right for Life in Queensland. And I went, I, dr I, I drove out with my, um, my brother or someone and I went and saw them and I sat down and said, oh, what can I do? What can I do? I'm at school and I'm sick of at school. I mean, we're going a long time ago now. And back then we were being confronted by this. Mm. And um, they had these little pins with these little feet on them. Yeah, little tiny eight, feet. Yep, tiny feet. And they gave me one. And if you look at my core flutes, they're all up and they have them for 10 years. Every single election, this little pin sits there. Nice. And I proudly from day one um, declared I am pro-life and um, I am absolutely against abortion. And I made the Hall of Fame on the anti-abortion website one day because they put me up as Queensland's most dangerous person. Um, following you mean one the pro-abortion website? The pro-abortion, sorry. Yeah. Right. Pro-abortion um, website. Oh, um, what a accolade! I took a screenshot of it. I'm like, that it, that it, I've got lots of degrees and stuff in my life, and that that takes the cake. Um, but beyond that, when everyone, when the 27 babies that were that came out, 27 babies had been born alive and left to die. Mm. Um, the media was silent on it, and I I did a I did a press release and I put a post up, and and you can find it online. The Courier Mail and a few others ran with it, and some of them took actually a positive angle and said, look, here's somebody's actually taking. Um, taking them to task and saying, yeah, I actually stand with these 27 babies and stand up and say, yeah, these people need a voice and we're going to stop this. And so I've actually gone one step further, though, and I've personally been writing um, a bit of a white paper on how to bring about a federal system of child protection. Having worked in child protection, um, a federal system of child protection would overlay across all states and territories. Um, and attach into that um, abortion policy as well, which is protecting, because under the, the um, Child Protection Act, they don't actually distinguish between in utero and, and birth. So yeah. they can protect a baby in utero because they see it as a life. Interesting. So it is interesting. So it's a space I've been looking at and working on how we can shape policy. And it's a conversation that needs to be much broader and would need the support of many people. Yeah. But again, good policy um, needs to take the lead in spaces and we can claim those spaces and make it a national conversation so that we're no longer hiding or, or assembling, you know, um, in a park and going, oh, we're over here and the media turn and focus the other way. Yeah. Um, we can confront this head on because 
every Australian is valuable mm-hmm. and we have an obligation under our constitution to protect all Australians. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and and that's, I mean, it drives me crazy when people say, why do you get an opinion? You're a man. I'm like, I'm a human. Yeah. That's why I get an opinion yeah. because killing babies is wrong. Yeah. I mean, how do you not get that? Yeah. Um, Andy, your personal position and uh, if there's a party position. Yeah, sure. Um, personally, I'm pro-life, uh, 100%. Um, I believe in the sanctity of all life and that um, we need to protect. In fact, we have an obligation to protect those that can't protect themselves and give a voice to those that don't have a voice. Mm. Um, I'm actually really proud of our party's policy on abortion. I'll send you a copy of it. Uh, it's not actually loaded on the website, but it's something we've spent a lot of time discussing because... There's people that don't all agree with me, just like in society. Right. And we, we've got nuance in this and there is nuance. And this is the thing here. We need to have compassion and grace towards people who might find themselves in circumstances where they are confronted with a choice. That is a horrible position to be in. Mm, and we need to take time right. to look at that, to discuss it with respect, to discuss it from a position of not judgment, not condemnation, but actually listening to the voices that are coming out there and saying, okay, But right now in Australia, because we've had this full left or full right view on abortion, we have gotten ourselves into a position where we've got some of the most heinous abortion laws in the world. Mm -hmm. And it is in a a terrible state. And so, as I said, I'm really proud of um, the Australian Values Party policy on abortion, and I'll be happy to provide that to you. um, Yeah. In brief, give us the nutshell. Well, actually, it's pretty similar to One Nation. However, we are pro-life. And then it talks about a pro-choice element. So it breaks down some of that nuance. But certainly uh, a lot of the points that are raised in um, protection for the the child, including um, uh, medication, um, uh, what are the other points there is? I'll have to bring it up. But, I mean, there's a lot of of, uh, decisions in there that are based around protecting the life of the child. Uh, Psychedelic. Um, asks, can a true libertarian be anti-abortion? Um, psychedelic, my answer is, is the libertarian uh, pro-science or anti-science? Libertarians are not libertines where anything goes. Um, libertarians believe that government has some role, uh, and that includes protecting citizens from harm by others. And a scientific view of abortion says there are two people that need the government's protection in a mother-child relationship from conception. So a true libertarian must be anti-abortion is my answer. Any different views? Uh, Look straight over to To the the, the Democrat. From the person from the Libertarian (laughs) Party. (laughs) No, I I, I actually could not add any more to what you just said. That is exactly true. You you hit the nail on the head. you know where I stand personally, and obviously that's where the party stands as well. Um, yeah, so. Well, let's bring this home. Um, we'll start as we, f- we'll finish as we started from left to right. Um, yeah. Your uh, contact details where people can uh, find out more about your party or yourself. Yeah. Um, and uh, any final thoughts for the evening? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to find out more about myself, um, you can reach out to me via email um on uh ford with an e on the end so you get that right f-o-r-d-e 
at ldp.org.au. Um, also look on the website, the Lib Dems website. You can click on Queensland, find some more information about myself um, and even donate on that website as well, which would be very, very helpful because I'm just a humble school teacher and uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it can get very, very expensive uh, in the wonderful world of politics. It's definitely set up for a rich man's game yeah. or which rich woman's game either way. Um, and uh, yeah, so final, final thoughts is um, we need to do something. The Australian population is 100% um, behind this next election especially after the last two years, their eyes have been open. They're starting to make the choices now. And it is really clear to me that our two major parties know that they are in big trouble in the next election. Um, they are even spruiking that a vote for a minor party is basically going to be a vote for the Green. A huge lie. That's a massive lie. That is um, a great indication for the minor party candidates because we can see and call it out for exactly what it is. They are extremely fearful of what is about to come around the corner. Um, so for myself, uh, freedom, the, the party, the Liberal Democrats themselves are for smaller government uh, and more freedoms. In the uh, Freedom Manifesto, have a flip through, have a read. Uh, it's got a very clear policy. We're about to come into some really tough times in Australia, financially and uh, and in our own homes. We're going to be feeling the pinch even more than what you think it is right now. But the Lib Dems, we have a plan and a policy and a structure that we want to be able to drive in Parliament House in the balance of power with uh, Campbell Newman in the Senate and uh, someone like myself also, uh, in the lower house, and we'll be able to fight for the people of Ford, the people of Queensland, and for the people of Australia. So thank you. Thank you for having us tonight. I uh, really appreciate being here. Thank you for uh, standing for election and adding your voice to this very, very important time in our nation's history. It's, uh, it's not a high prospect that any of our candidates tonight will be successful. Um, there is a chance. Uh, and it definitely relies on, on everybody um, tightly preferencing uh, the freedom parties um, above the major parties uh, in most seats where there is not a freedom member of parliament currently serving. Um, but uh, yeah, it's huge appreciation for all our candidates tonight who are sacrificing time and money and energy and stress um, for the fight. Um, it's very clear uh, if they were after a career, they'd join a major party. And if they're after an outcome, um, they're standing uh, as they are for the party that they've chosen. Amanda, yes, um, thank you. contact details, how people can find out more about you yes, and final yes, detail, yes. Uh, final thought for the night. Yes. So if um, to find out uh, about myself, if you go to the One Nation website at onenation.org, Org. Um, there's a tab there on the candidates. If you select on that, select the seat of Bonner, um, you'll find um, more information about myself. You'll also find um, a more uh, larger overview of the One Nation policies. Um, to email me, you can email me at bonner.onenation.queensland.au um, and I'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Um, one of the things I want to like really encourage the Australian people to do today is find out about the candidates in your electorate. You know, just like we've been having this conversation mm. here today and the importance of, you know, what, what values do, do, do the candidates in your electorate 
stand for? Do they align with you? Do they align with things that are going to be a blessing to this nation and help our nation and put our nation forward? Um, are they freedom votes? So find out. Um, I encourage you, email all of the candidates in your electorate. So you are going in with an informed choice um, on election day and even a pre-poll. So, yeah. I, you know, I can't stress that enough. And, and what's been encouraging to me is I've been getting those emails myself. Um, people reaching out to me, finding out, asking me, what's your stance on this? And what's your, you know, what's your value and what's your belief on that? And so I encourage these people, I thank them for getting in contact with me and reaching out because I know that that's a great sign that people care and that they want change. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I really encourage everyone to do that. Um, the The... A vote for One Nation is a vote for uh, common sense. You know, I'm a common sense candidate. I'm a um, true blue Aussie through and through. Um, I'm My background, you know, as I said earlier, I mentioned, you know, I, I worked as an operations manager for 15 years. So, again, I, I know leadership. I know people. Um, I've come from a hardworking background. My parents um, are still dairy farmers to this day in, in a very, very tough industry. And so mm. I learned a lot of my morals and my ethics from my dad. Um, one of the things my dad used to say to me as a little girl, and it's influenced me my entire life, he goes, Amanda, if you have not got your word, you've got nothing. And that has been something that I have tried to live and guide my life, um, my entire life, and it's always been a conviction. And I've always, you know, if I can't commit to something, I don't like to say it. And so I appreciate that, that my dad has put that and dwelled that into me yes. um, as a child. Um, you know, we've got much to be restored in the country Um but if we are going to break the stronghold of these two parties, you need to vote for freedom parties. And, and I, you know, the importance of that, that's, I think it's been a big theme of tonight as well. Together, we can make a difference. Um, that's what I believe. That's what I, that's why I'm here, because we can make a difference and together we can get our country back on track. Yeah, we really can. We can. Yep. Certainly in multiple elections, if not one. Yeah. <laughs> but we can do it. I think I think we actually can. I mean, if you've seen uh, Topher's famous uh, now authorised Marble video, yeah, um, it, it, it actually is possible. Um, and this is, this is definitely the year where I think great candidates like uh, Toby and, and you all actually have a chance where the the primary vote for the major parties is crashing and if it just gets below that critical mass which is a little bit less mm -hmm. than the accumulation of tightly preferenced freedom parties then we're in a chance to actually you know get a handful maybe maybe we'll get none and and we'll have to build from here and we'll have to build from here either way because we want a third of parliament we want a third, yeah. um but want a yeah third there, there actually is a chance so tony where can people get in contact with you and your final thoughts for the night yeah sure um so people can get in contact with me at um the party itself which is uh at uh, unitedaustraliaparty.org.au um you can also look up my personal um policy and all my information's online as well and that's at tonymore.info um, you can also email me. So for all those people out there who have been watching who want to be activated and want to come and hand out stuff on the day, you can email me at fisher at unitedaustraliaparty.org.au. Um, 
Look, um, final thoughts are really simple. Um, you know, you've heard lots of lots of talk tonight. You've heard some great candidates. Um, it needs to all just be simmered, simmered down now to what can you do? And I would okay. just ask that um, you look at your voting behaviour of the past and look at where we are today. And we are all responsible for what we have here today. And you can do something right now to change that and change the way you vote, but just don't stop there. So what's required is that we have to put red and blue and green last. And we do that, that's how we break the cycle. And that's on the green ballot. But on the Senate, don't even vote for them. Remove them completely, take their power away and make sure that we as a, as a nation, a people of, um, who are righteous, that we actually with knowledge find the good candidates and claim back um, our country for ourselves and for our children. Um, I do believe this is the election, the one that we've got. In, after 11 years in this, I have never seen a turning of the people back towards politics and also righteous governance. Um, so I would say to you, activate yourselves, call your friends, call your family and say, we need to do something more than just vote this election. Find your candidate yep. and the one that you want to actually put your weight and your time and your money and effort behind. Pre-polling starts on Monday. So call them up, look, look for them online, whatever you need to do and turn up. Um, all our policy for United Australia Party is online at our website. Um, and we've matched policy according to the needs in the community right now and heading into the future. And it's a new suite of policy. Um, I love talking about policy. So email me or um, come and see me at any of the um, speaking engagements that I'm at. And I'm happy to chat more about that. Um, and, um, you know, we can unite Australia simply by all uniting in the way in which we vote by putting freedom friendly parties first and pick your best horse and the one that represents your values best and put the rest at the end. Awesome. That's it. Thank you very much. I, I, you saw me flinch when you said... I did. I almost almost uh, lost... I'm sorry. I, I distracted you. Um, I presume when you're saying don't vote for the red, blue, green, uh, the majors, you're, you're assuming people are only numbering the minimum number of boxes. They are correct, yes. Can I say, if you're only numbering the minimum number of boxes you are probably helping the Greens get elected. We don't want the Greens. That's elected. reckless, irresponsible, lazy. You might as well not even turn up. Just pay the $20 fine and no, I'm not advocating that. I'm saying go turn up, put the effort in, put the effort in. This is your nation. We've got a man here who's prepared to die for our nation and you're not prepared to figure out how to number 100 boxes. <laughs> like, come on, get some perspective, people. Get some steel in your spine, love your neighbour, love your nation and vote against the Greens. Mm -hmm. I cannot say this clearly enough. If you do not number as many boxes as possible, you will be helping the Greens get elected. If your vote exhausts, preferencing runs out. That means if your vote hasn't got enough boxes ticked and it doesn't keep getting counted, after everybody you voted for has been knocked out, then the, then people in like conservatives in the Liberal Party, if it's a choice between the Liberal Party and the Greens, do you want to be out of that conversation? Because that's how the Greens win. You have to number every box and you do have to put the major parties somewhere or you will be helping the Greens get elected. We can go into the science of Senate ballots a whole lot, but essentially uh, a partial uh, quota 
is enough to get the sixth spot. And the person with the most uh, of a quota will get elected to the sixth spot. Now, if your votes or if all freedom voters only voted six above the line or 12 beneath the line, then there's a chance that our preferences are going to exhaust. And the way to guarantee against that is to make sure that if your first six and your first 12 get, or your first 12 get um, knocked out, then your vote, your ballot stays in the running, stays in the competition. So yeah, don't put the majors in your first six or your first 12 if you're voting beneath the line, I, I agree. But don't stop there. You absolutely have to keep going uh, or you are effectively voting for the Greens. Guys, say it again because this is the future of the nation at stake. Number as many boxes as you can above the line or beneath the line. Uh, and if you want to leave the Greens off, that's fine. Leave the last box free. Um, but that's how you... Look, we want freedom parties. I'm 100% there. We want freedom parties and a strong crossbench in the upper house and the lower house. Um, but the worst possible outcome is more people like Sarah Hansen-Young, uh, more people like Larissa Waters, uh, more people like the mad cut snakes that populate the extreme Greens party, which are communist to the core. Mm. Uh, that's the worst possible outcome. And we have to number as many boxes as possible. Um, and that is how we protect our future while promoting freedom parties on the ballot. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes uh, sense to me. You, you agree? I, uh, won't be, I won't be voting for the Greens. I'm sorry I put you off with my <laughs> we, we may disagree a little on that point. Um, and I won't go into it here, but I'll talk to you about it afterwards. Yeah, well, um, yeah. you can write an article or, or make a video. I'll share it. Yeah, um, that'll be great. Andy. Hey, thanks for having me, mate. And um, Toby, Amanda, Tony, thank you uh, for your service and standing up to represent your community and the nation. I really hope we meet here, here. in Canberra. Yeah. Um, okay. So where can people find me? Okay, well, if you're in the seat of McPherson, vote one Andy Cullen, Australian Values Party. Um, you can check out our website, australianvalues.org.au. If you're not in the seat of McPherson, I really encourage you check out the Australian Values Party, our policies and our team. You'll go on there, you'll see who's representing you across each state and across a couple of minus, um, the lower house seats. Um, we stand for smaller government. We stand for a stronger economy. Um, and we stand for a Bill of Rights. I'd love to see a Bill of Rights be written into uh, the Australian government and the Constitution. So uh, to make sure that the things that have happened over these past two and a half years never happen again, mm. that we protect the interests of the Australian people. Um, this is an amazing party. It is Australia's newest party. It is not tied to uh, some of the issues that some of the older parties have where they, they have a history with, um, you know, uh, lobbyists or uh, party politics mm. or, or things of this nature. I don't need to vote along party lines. I've had these discussions with Heston and we talk about every vote is a conscience vote. Mm. If you're not voting with your conscience, what are you voting Amen. with? Amen. And it's probably not good. So every vote for me is a conscience vote. Yeah. I'll certainly speak with all members of my team and the, the uh, party and we will, we will come up with great policy that serves this nation. But mm. ultimately, every vote is a conscience vote. So a vote for me 
uh, is a vote for a positive future for Australia. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And, and yeah, thank you to everybody. I think I said it specifically to you, Toby, but uh, yeah, thank you to yeah, thank you. E each of you for adding your voice mm. to this important national conversation. And it, it's a great way to, to get a, a, an elevated platform for your voices to be a candidate and, and it comes at no cheap cost. Um, so uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, and, and everybody's been very complimentary and, and encouraged by the caliber of candidates that we have here. And that's really the point is in your electorate, wherever you are in 151 electorates around this great nation, uh, there is probably a great candidate like one of these tonight, and you're going to have to do a little digging to find the gem. Uh, could be in one of these parties. It could be in one of the major parties. I dare you to keep an open mind and do the honest research, uh, because the worst possible thing is that we actually have a great freedom fighter in the most powerful positions in parliament and that's in one of the parties that form government and and then we kick them out uh, that's like retreating when you're winning the battle it just doesn't make sense what we need to do is consolidate and advance and take more ground not give it up uh, so make sure you do the research because they're probably going to be from a freedom party um, and quite easy to contact and meet with um, there's i mean just contact them or, or their office or their election number and and, and say, uh, what forums are you going to soon? Where can I meet you? Um, what roadsides are you doing? What um, community office, you know, uh, meeting in a cafe and, and the various things that candidates do. You know what you could do is you could actually invite uh, as many of your friends as you can, two, three, four, 20, around to your house, have a barbecue, invite your friends there for two or three hours and invite the candidate a candidate, your favourite candidate, to come around for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, pop in and say hello. They can't spend the whole day there, they're campaigning. But uh, be gracious and, and say, pop in and say hello because I'd like to introduce you to my friends. I'd like to uh, get to know you. Um, and that will be a really great way to, to help spread the vote. Um, but make sure you uh, contribute how you can to this campaign by volunteering, by donating, by uh, scrutineering, and uh, election night and, and the coming days afterwards. Can't overstate how important um, we need an army of scrutineers on mm -hmm. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, right. and, and that's super, super important to make sure we get the full value of every vote that's cast for freedom in this nation. Uh, so that's it. As always, uh, help us fight fake news um, by contributing to the production of The Good Source. We've got three great crew volunteering tonight, and I would love to be able to pay them a hundred bucks each. Uh, and um, look, their first... eyes just lit up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the first three hundred dollars of one-off donations tonight will definitely go to them. That's my promise. But what we really need is monthly supporters. Um, so, would you please uh, just be be a part of that if you can? Uh, obviously. There's a lot of places that donations are needed in this election, and I won't begrudge it at all if you start in June. Um, but uh, right now, uh, this is a part of the ongoing battle that I've been in for six years and, and will be hopefully for a long time to come, God willing, and that is just providing honest information. Um, there needs to be lots of people watching this kind of interview. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much thank uh, you. for thank tonight. You. Sorry, thanks, thanks, gentlemen. And, um, we will uh, look uh, smiling jerry our um, sudanese immigrant who wants to limit immigration is actually coming to brisbane we uh, will we'll organize you to to catch up if possible and uh, 
hopefully we'll actually get him in the studio and be able to do an interview with him because he's very, very sensible, hardworking gentleman and I'm very grateful he's an Australian. Um, but that's it for this episode of The Good Source and Pillow Talk and uh, I look forward to seeing you in another episode soon. Good night. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.